does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Anyway, this was some game. You know, considering that we're in the second night of a back-to-back, going toe-to-toe with these guys for 48 minutes, I know there's a lot of points scored, all that kind of stuff. I just, uh, I'm really proud of our guys. The beginning of the fourth quarter got us a little bit, and it made it tougher. But uh, proud of this group. Our guys are learning, growing, and tonight, you know, they went head up with a with the champion, legitimate championship contending team, and that's that's meaningful. I'm not going to say officiating. No matter how hard you try to get me to say it was the officiating, I am not going to say the officiating. I just, you know, I thought Jalen Smith made the two greatest plays of the night, standing in there and taking charges on on Joel. You know, the second one, the second one we challenged and and we, you know, we lost the challenge somehow. I, but I, I still just think, you know, those are two plays that really define that kid. He's been he's been a, a revelation as a teammate and a professional this year, and he's gotten better. So I, I'm really proud of him. Yeah, I think just getting up and down, our pace is really good. Um, first unit, we started, we set the tone. I think TJ and the second unit came in and kept it going. You know, like we talked about here, we're going to score. Just ultimately down to getting stops, and as a <laughs> Nobody got stops tonight, so tough to tough to win games giving up 140. Um, but, man, they're a good team, so don't want to take away from that. Tough loss for the Pacers last night. We'll dive into that as the show moves on, but it is championship week. Jimmy Cook alongside Dane Five. thanks so much for joining us here on the Fan Midday Show. If you're a Hoosiers fan, you're anxious for the start of their conference tournament play, but thanks to that double buy that they earned over the weekend, Don't have to be in action until Friday night at the United Center. We're joined by Trace Jackson Davis, star of those Indiana Hoosiers. Nice enough to make some time with us here on a Tuesday. Trace, how are you? Yes, sir. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for making time for us today. Want to jump in right away looking back at senior night for you. Indiana obviously wins 75 to 73 in overtime, 27-9. Six and two for you in that matchup. Trace, I'm sure there were a lot of emotions throughout that game, particularly senior night for you. What did that matchup mean to you? And just in general, your senior night ceremony uh, for your last game at Assembly Hall. Um, it was <clears throat> it was huge. Um, I think just first and foremost, getting the win. Because um, Michigan, they're a really good team. They're playing really well in the Big Ten play. And then um, obviously it's emotional. But um, just having my teammates being with them one more time in Assembly Hall, um, just not, not taking any of these games for granted this year and walking out, running out on that in that stadium one more time, um, just trying to soak it all in. Tracer, Coach Fife here. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you, Coach? Hey, um, I, I, uh, I'm I doing great. I, I think um, one of the things I've been impressed with you – throughout the year is your numbers have continued to climb and the numbers I'm talking about are mainly points and rebounding very rarely do you see that your point points and rebound climb in conference play and what I'm getting at here is you flick the switch and I think you flick the switch in a way that you haven't done up until that point um, up until this point to where 
right around the start of the main body of conference play, your numbers began to explode. And my question really is, is what, what led to that? What has really transpired, you know, in terms of what you've done to flick that switch? Um, I just think the biggest thing um, for me was um, our team and um, just having the team that we did this year with X going down, race getting hurt. I'm having some young guys thrown into the fire. I knew that I was really our only leader out there um, and been through this. I've been through this the last three years, so I kind of know what was going on. But um, I just think that at the end of the day, my teammates were uh, looking for me and they were um, just trying to – well, let me rephrase. My teammates were – my teammates were um, relying on me. Yep. And, um, I mean, they've always have, but um, it's just bigger moments. Obviously, we got some new pieces around us this year as well. Uh, they've done a great job giving me the ball. But I feel like also I've been hunting rebounds. I remember Coach Wyatt, me and you talked about it last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted me to average like 12 to 14 rebounds a game. And um, I just think that I was getting easier buckets. I was getting offensive rebounds, getting putbacks, stuff of that nature. So it's so it's giving me a lot more opportunities to score the ball. And then you know how I am, how I'm a rhythm player when I start scoring and getting easy buckets, I start doing more. And so I think that was big for me. One of the things that I talked about um, last or, or especially after your win over Purdue at Purdue, Tracer, is the fact that your your maturity, you weren't exactly involved offensively scoring but what you kept doing is you set great screens, you rolled your butt off to the rim. And the other part of it that that really impressed me was the fact that you did your job against Zach Eady. And by that, I mean you didn't commit silly fouls, you kept your big butt in the game, you caused him a lot of problems scoring, and his numbers might have been good, but I thought you did a really good job of neutralizing him. Um, I want to shift gears here. I want to ask you about – moving into the Big Ten tournament where it's one and done and then the NCAA tournament where it's one and done. What are things that you've learned over the course of your career and especially last year? You know, we made a run all the way to the semis last year in the Big Ten tournament and got an NCAA tournament victory under your belt. What are the things, what what are important things that you think you can convey to guys like Jalen and Malik going into the one and done one and done time right now? Um, I just think that um the biggest thing is you just got to play under control. Um, don't get sped up. I think also just play as hard as you can, leave everything out on the floor, and just take the game one possession at a time. Um, you can't dwell on mistakes. You can't let them just uh, add up. Uh, you just got to stay level, and I think Fino's done a really, really good job of that this year, um, especially for being a freshman. And then Malik's been coming along as well, so we just got to keep doing what we're doing, um, taking one possession at a time, one game at a time, and see where we end up. I think that's what we did last year, um, especially after Michigan. Um, we kind of got some confidence, and um, we just rode that out. Yeah. Speaking of Fino, what what has Jalen Hood Shafino brought to your team? Um, Jalen's um, – obviously he's a great player, but um, not only that, but his maturity – um, for being a freshman, it's just it's crazy. Um, just throwing him into the fire, being having X out and having to play uh, like the lead guard and the point guard when he's really a two, um, and he's handled it really, really well. 
and um, he's also a leader on the team. Um, he's a guy that just um, he'll try to talk, he'll try to say the right things, try to get his teammates going, and he's a real floor general, and that's what we need from him, and he's done a great job. Final question, Tracer. Who's the best dancer on your team? The best dancer on our team, I think it's slight edge to JG, but I would put Trey up there as well. I feel like Geronimo really has just a couple moves, go-to moves. He doesn't have a lot of, um, you know, there's not a lot of different things he can do. He's got a couple moves that that he sticks to, and I'd like to see more of a uh, a diverse palette in JG's dance dance moves. No, absolutely. If we win the Big Ten tournament, I'll tell him to surprise you. Okay, okay. And you're going to win that Big Ten tournament because you're going to bring it. Yes, sir. Trace, last question on my end. You make the decision to come back one more year. You mentioned this a little bit in your senior speech, but what are the expectations you set for yourself this year? Still plenty of basketball left to be played, but have you met that area? And where do you still want to go, both team and individually, uh, as we approach winner go home territory? Well, obviously, the goal for us is um, we got to take it one game at a time, but um, the Big Ten Championship is national championship is what we want. Um, it's not going to be easy by any means, but um, I feel like we have enough pieces that we can get it done. We just got to take it one game at a time. Um, Coach Five knows a little bit about that. Um, they went on their run, and um, so we're going to try to try to do it. Um, everyone's locked in. Everyone's engaged. Everyone's ready to go. Trace, appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, enjoy the rest of the way until your matchup on Friday, and we look forward to watching it all unfold. Yeah, Tracer, remember, pad those stats on missed free throws on the re- on the free throw line. You can pad those rebounding oh, stats, all right? Yes, sir. Thanks, Trace. See you, Tracer. All right, see you guys. That is Trace Jackson Davis, star of the Indiana Hoosiers. They're in practice mode, staying fresh, staying rested, getting ready for first round, or excuse me, double bye matchup with whatever unfolds the rest of the way. Looking for a matchup with either Maryland or Minnesota and Nebraska. Wait until Friday night. We talked about that in-depth yesterday of having that double bye in the Big Ten tournament, Dane, kind of just waiting and seeing until things unfold. You mentioned from the coaching perspective, make sure all your scouts are in order, but not only that, make sure everybody's fresh and still focused and getting as much rust out of the way as possible with that double bye in play. Yeah, it's going to be something new to, to all these guys. And look, the NCAA tournament, Big Ten tournament, stuff gets it's thrown out. You know, it's a whole different season. It really is. And as we talked about yesterday, we talked about the word adrenaline. And for players, that's really what you're going on because you're lacking sleep. Um, Your body's not fully recovered from the previous game. And it's game after game after game for, for many teams. And in some, you know, there's been some cases where teams have had to play five days in a row. Yeah. And so, you know, you're really going off adrenaline. And, and in those ca- in this case, defense wins a lot of these games. It takes a couple buckets, a couple bucket getters to get a couple buckets. But by and large, good defense, taking care of the basketball, win in these type of tournaments. You mentioned his stats continue to progress as the season has gone on, particularly in conference. The number that has jumped out to me the most and to a lot of people, it's been his passing. You go from yeah. just under two assists a year ago to under four now, and you continue to see it on a nightly basis. Go back to the Michigan game on Sunday. Finds Miller Cop, I believe it was, in the corner on just a pass that at the yeah. time, look on TV, you know, it, it subs tell us, like, what's he see over there? And then there's Miller. I mean, it, and it's been passes like that, just fully awareness 
on the floor of where he needs to go with the basketball if a double comes or if he's in a situation where he's got somebody open. Well, I may surprise you guys, but Trace Jackson Davis is my all-time favorite Indiana basketball player. I absolutely loved my time coaching him. Um, He's so coachable. All you really have to do is ask him, you know, and in in an era where coaches are afraid of their players, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis is such a coachable kid, a man now, and um, he's really flourished um, this year, and I think mainly because what he talked about. He just, look, I've got to start doing some things that I've got to start putting myself – in more of a leadership taking more of a leadership role and it doesn't just involve me clapping and saying hey guys let's go and that's kind of been my knock on Tracy hasn't been selfish enough we hear that a lot but Trace would rather his teammates have success than him and kind of what he's had to convince himself is his teammates would have more success if Trace himself got a little more selfish as silly as that sounds but he's my all-time favorite Hoosier I absolutely love him. You can hear how humble he is. He's a brilliant. He's he's such a smart kid, and, and he's one of the best teammates I've ever seen. I'm telling you this right now. The NBA is missing out if they don't take whatever chance they think they're taking. They're missing out on having a player like him in their program, in, in their organization. He's a glue guy. He's a Draymond. He's a Xavier Tillman. He's. You think of the glue guys in the league; yep. those guys are as valuable as your superstar, because they're the ones that generally keep the superstar in check. They bridge the gap between the superstars and the staff, the superstars, and the rest of the organization. Trace Jackson Davis will be a foundational player in the NBA. And so often, and he has the the the, the star power and, and the flashiness to back it up. But so often, that kind of thing does get overlooked or overvalued at least by pundits nationally maybe not by front offices but by the way everything is perceived and and you absolutely need guys like that to achieve your objectives as an NBA franchise totally agree well I I don't want to call out the organizations or several organizations name but you take a guy like Draymond Green we absolutely begged teams told them they were making a big mistake if they didn't take Draymond Green and we're not talking lottery we're talking 20 to 30. Yeah. And you fast forward to today, and I relish in the moment when I have a chance to talk to one of those, one of the um, general managers or some one of the NBA scouts that were involved in, you know, when Draymond was being selected in the draft that these certain organizations that didn't select Draymond, I, I thoroughly enjoy pointing that out to them uh, as Draymond works his way towards a – First ballot Hall of Fame career. How much of that is, obviously that's post-playing career, but how much of that is involved within a coaching staff of going to bat for your guys? Obviously you do it in a heartbeat. It's almost like listing somebody as, as a reference or someone to go to bat for you if you're applying for a job. Only in that yeah. instance, it's, it's trying to get drafted. Well, you really can't stat one's ability to, to help a team win. Right. You know, We can call someone a winner by virtue of his team winning, but you really can't stat how someone helps a team win without those massive eye-popping stats. And Draymond did not have them. The only thing Draymond, I think Draymond's senior year, he averaged 
14 and 10 and in in the Big 10 and those aren't things that really stand out um and so when teams would ask us as they were doing their research during the 2012 draft NBA draft they would ask what does Draymond do well and the best answer that I could come with as an assistant coach at Michigan State was uh, he he helps it does everything to help a team win it's it's hard to put something put a put a number or a stat on that he helps team a team when he does everything to help a team win and that's exactly what Trace does that's exactly what Trace Jackson Davis does he'll he'll figure out how to shoot i don't it's it's ridiculous that people are going to use that against him but he'll figure it out he is a foundational organizational player i mean he he can be the foundation he can be a pillar of an nba organization he's that good and that valuable it's Dane Fife. I'm Jimmy Cook here on the Fan Midday Show. We got a great show for you today. Obviously, starting it off right out of the bat with a home run. Good work by Eddie Garrison, our producer. Eddie, ooh, ooh. locking in Trace Jackson Davis. Top of the hour. Pat Forty going to join us. We can get a little bit of everything college ranks with Pat, both from a quarterback standpoint that are have their name ready to go for April's draft, and as well as championship week. His thoughts on Indiana, the Big Ten, and. March Madness approaching as a whole. And then top of the 2 o'clock hour, Mike Chappell going to join us. Get his thoughts on the Colts finalizing and formally announcing the entirety of their coaching staff. That up on Colts.com by J.J. Stankovitz. Earlier this morning, one box checked off of the Colts list. This time in the form of the coaching staff. And now you get towards the deadline day, which is franchise tag day. N- not as much stress necessarily on the Colts front as there is other franchises to place a tag, but there's still the aspect of the fallout from this. We mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. yesterday as a left tackle. Uh, you're looking at the Lamar Jackson situation, even though we're kind of in agreement. That's not an avenue the Colts are going to go down, but he could be a quarterback that's available if the Ravens, for some reason or another, don't tag him, though they are expected to do that today. As you look around with the league year fast approaching and with franchise tags being handed out with teams across the league where do you see the biggest not necessarily name but what position you want to see achieved first by the Colts when free agency winds opening up you you mentioned yesterday a firm stance on continuing to add to the defense and shoring up the offensive line Eddie if you build it (laughs) I walked into that the quarterback will come that's well said Eddie you've seen that movie I, I, I firmly believe this. I firmly believe that you either have to have a very special quarterback or a very special defense. Now, again, in order to have that special quarterback, you have to have an offensive line. You can, you can put other skill positions around the QB, but you have to have an offensive line. Now, where am I going with this? Is there someone that elite to build your franchise around? Is there a, is there a QB that's that elite, that's a game changer, or are you just trying to win the press conference? I don't know that. I'm not the football expert, like maybe a Jimmy Cook <laughs> or um, a Jim Irsay is. Yeah. But I'm just going on history, 
And if anybody wants to argue that, call Eddie. Eddie will patch you in. Yeah, 317-239-1070 if you have a wish list for what you want the Colts to do. We talked about yesterday the cost of trying to trade up. One of our favorites, and he's been a guest on the show a number of times, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He does mock drafts, Dane, but his is not. There's only one Dane allowed on this show, so I don't want to Well, that's why I didn't book him today. I I didn't want to have to have a fight for for that honor. Now we got an ego issue going. Sure. I I can call him Mr. Brugler if you want, but that feels... I prefer Mr. Or I can call you Mr. Fife if you'd you'd rather... (laughs) I like Mr. Brugler more in your territory. Um, Anyway, (laughs) in this mock draft, his is not what he thinks is going to happen. It is... He's constantly talking with front office executives, with scouts, and then based on what he's hearing from them, that's how he formulates said mock draft. His latest one just came out today as the Colts trading up with the Bears to go get C.J. Stroud, and his projection in that trade is number 4 and 35 this year and a 2024 first-round pick to Chicago. So well below what Ryan Poles and the Bears have allegedly been asking. They've thought they can get as many as three first-rounders out of the Colts. I said yesterday, that's too rich for my blood, three first-rounders. I'm willing to go two firsts and some additional picks to sweeten the deal elsewhere, but I I don't feel confidently enough in the quarterbacks you could get to give up three first-rounders. Two, I'm, I, I, I can stomach. That's fine. That's kind of been the benchmark for teams to move up from a variety of different scenarios is two first-rounders and then a bevy of other picks. I know that you aren't in love with any of these guys that are out there, whether it's Bryce Young or whether it's C.J. Stroud, but you obviously have a Big Ten arm there and you have an SEC arm there. From the football you've consumed this past year, if the Colts end up selecting one, does one make you less mad than the others or one make you a little bit more okay? I can get behind this. This isn't just a press conference move. I see what they're doing there. Any of Stroud or Young or or Levis or Richardson move the needle for you at all? Personally, I like the kid Richardson. Okay. Um, Bowled out at the combine, if, set all if, kinds of records. Now I've talked about C.J. Stroud quite a bit. I, I by all by many expert accounts, I hear that Bryce Young is the guy. Bryce Young coming out of the combine is the guy. Am I wrong on that, Jimmy? No, I mean it, it, you'll get varying Stroud or Young, but Young has been the he's the best body of work. The only knock on him is his size and his frame, right? Which you which don't, I debate how much that, but that really bothers you. It bothers me that it's it's the main critique against him because it feels like I know it's more important than this, and I said this last week, but it feels like the whole oh Joe Burrow's hands are too small, the the ball's going to slip out of his hands in the NFL. Like it, it, I understand it's a little bit more complicated than that, but it feels like the same. Uh, we can't figure out a reason to mark this guy down. So right. yeah, he's small let's, and let's put small. Yeah, 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 as if Doug Flutie didn't exist. Yeah, and 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 we've had that debate too. Well, there's been successful small quarterbacks, Russell Wilson. Any name you list to have competence in that argument you got a yeah, but. has had strong yeah, but historic NFL careers. Right. Yeah. So for me, with Bryce, it's hard for me to get in the ring and say, oh, he's going to be just like uh, uh, Drew Brees or Doug Flutie. It's hard for me to get behind that as much as it is. There's been a wave of smaller quarterbacks over the last couple of years to varying degrees of success. I think this is the best of the bunch. That's including Tua. That's including Kyler Murray. And I understand those are not your top five. Who's the best quarterbacks in the league right now? You're going Allen. You're going Burrow. You're going Mahomes. You're going Jackson. I don't think that Bryce Young is cracking that his rookie year, but I think he's the best of smaller quarterbacks we've seen 
even though he's a little smaller than Tua and a little smaller than Kyler Better Murray. QB than Johnny Football? Yes. Yes. And we'll have a longer NFL career, barring injury, than Johnny Football. Uh, Eddie? Big Ten accolades were just announced. Do you have them in front of you? I've got all of them, yeah. Let's let's get them. Your coach of the year was Chris Collins of Northwestern. CC. Well-deserved. Player of the year, Zach Eady. Yep. Freshman of the year, Jalen Hood Shafino. Wow. Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady were both unanimous selections to the first, first team. teamers. Yep. Jalen Hood Shafino was second team for the media and third team for the coaches. Where were my Spartans? Tyson Walker was third team by the wow. coaches and by the media. Uh, and that's about it that I'm seeing. Any complaints on your end? Uh, the Chris Collins, I mean, it, we talked about that yesterday as well. Anytime you're able to get Northwestern to the dance and the fact that their two second NCAA place. tournament appearances have been underneath his watch plus the second place finish in the Big Ten regular season standings, I have no problem with that one. I couldn't be happier for Chris Collins. I've known Chris since I was probably 14 years old. Wow. And uh, his dad was a coach for a Pist- for the Pistons. I grew up right near where the Pistons played. And uh, couldn't be happier. Great guy. Uh, loves the game. And he's given everything to Northwestern. He's put up with a lot of crap. So I couldn't be happier for him. There's been the constant discussion nationally about National Player of the Year honors. And for a while there, whether it was the Big Ten promoting their stars, which obviously it was to an extent, but also... Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, no doubt the most talented players within the Big Ten. This likely a precursor, though, if you didn't already know it, of of where the national awards are headed in terms of what Zach Eady is going to wrap up in my mind. Already getting Big Ten Player of the Year now, as Eddie just said there, and then has been almost a shoe-in for most of the year uh, to take the Wooden Award. You know what? I probably still give Zach Eady the nod, but I got to tell you, Trace Jackson Davis is winning both head-to-head matchups, yep. his team. Um, and I, I also think this. I think that Jalen hood Shafino is a superstar. So what I'm getting at is Indiana is a two-superstar team, where Purdue is a one-superstar team. And so I think Trace has to defer quite a bit to Jalen hood Shafino in terms of numbers, yeah, uh, at least scoring. Um, so... If uh, I'm going to say this now, if Indiana beats Purdue in the Big Ten tournament, I'm flip-flopping my picks. Chase Jackson Davis is the player of the year. Now, that doesn't matter because there's not many people listening to me (laughs) when it comes to my vote. But the head-to-head matchup, I think it matters because it'll now have happened three times. There are only a handful of sports where you can throw out two players for one individual award and they're actually impacting the way the other plays on the floor. Like people want to do this all the time with the NFL. They want to be like, oh, well, you know, he's the MVP or they go into a matchup of, of who's the who's the better quarterback. Well, they're not playing each other. They right. are because they're on the same team, but yeah. they're not playing defense against yeah. one another. Basketball, obviously the complete opposite. You have that one-on-one head-to-head. Not only does a head-to-head matchup factor into me, Dane, but if it is another... I know they both were monsters in terms of the stat lines they put up, but if it's another game where it feels like, yeah, Trace more often than not won that battle, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. Well, and, I, and I think the difference, too, is everything Purdue runs, by and large, leads to Zach Eady getting the ball. Yeah. Doesn't mean he gets it on every possession, but all their plays kind of funnel it right down to Zach, which it's I, I absolutely agree with it. 
but not everything leads to Trace. Trace has to yeah. go get a lot of his points, um, and that due in part because they have a two-superstar team with Trace, Jackson Davis, and Jalen hood Shafino. So I think his numbers are a little lower than they otherwise would be. Stane Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. We're going to take our first break here on the Fan Midday Show. Still to come, Pat Forty, top of the hour, plus Mike Chappell in the 2 o'clock hour. Your phone calls, if you like, 317-239-1070. If you want to talk about the lead-up to the Big Ten Tournament or any questions or thoughts in general about where Indiana stands, where Purdue stands, and like we mentioned with that Colts conversation, what you want to see done with that fourth pick, or if you want to see him trade up. More on the Pacers. They're lost to the 76ers last night. When we come back, this is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife here in the DriveHuber.com studios. Eddie Garrison. Guiding us through the day behind the ones and twos. Last night, Philadelphia 76ers knock off for Indiana Pacers. Uh, these scores, even as the NBA fan, continue to just blow me away. 147-143, the final. Sixers get the better end of the Pacers. I love this quote from 76ers head coach Doc Rivers. It was an offensive game, but at the same time, Dane. Somebody had to make a defensive stand, and we did enough to win that game. Well, Doc knows. They've, they've, that's that's late 70s, early to mid-80s scores right there. Yeah, That's back when they, they didn't play defense. It looks like we're back to that. Yep. The ebbs and flows of the league. We got Tyrese getting a 40. Look, I don't mind it as much, and maybe it's – there's not a massive gap between the two of us in terms of, of age. I mean, it's, it's significant, but it's not like 50 no. years. No. Right? So I, I say that – because my generation, I think, loves offense. Like, just always into the highlight plays. Yeah, you're you're you from nothing... the you're from the me generation. But yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry, are you still in that that same camp? I'm are not, you? I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm a Gen Xer. You're a Gen Meer. <laughs> Eddie, would you agree, Jimmy's a me guy? Hmm, sissy Eddie. Do I side with my friend or do I side with the coach? So Bi- businesses at stake in here in the studio. I think I have to go with Dane on this one. Man. Yeah. He's, he's a from the guy. me generation. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm a wee guy. I'm a I'm a, I'm a team player. Yeah. Are you? I'm, yes. I'm, Try to be anyway. I'd like I, to carry myself that. But anyway, yeah, there was no sort of highlights you. last night and on a nightly basis throughout the league, that's more often than not what you're going to get. People make a big deal about the defensive effort or how it's an unwatchable product. I I disagree on that front because you continue to see those highlight plays but also you add in playoff fever, which is what this team is so hungry for. They take a hit with that goal last night, but that's really where things lock in, and it's 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 why the league is trying to emphasize more of the regular season because it's a different game completely when you roll into the postseason versus well, what you the see consolation on is basis. the Pacers made Jimmy happy. I mean, they they did in that regard, I suppose, by losing. They again, I'm not. Uh, I know that that is a very conflicting opinion within. The Pacers fan base, it is a tug and pull of do we want to be able to be in a play-in spot or do we want to be in a better position to get the ping-pong balls? I'm just at a point in the season where when I'm watching these games, I want to continue to see the growth I've seen all year. But if the end result doesn't go their way, I'm not tearing my hair out. I'm not losing my mind and, and going on a massive rant about it. 
I mean, you look at the stats. I didn't see the game. I was busy celebrating the uh, Jackson Creek Jaguars. Big W semifinals over the Tri-North Raiders. I just made up that nickname because I don't know their nickname. But <laughs> Quinley 5, 6, and 10. Ooh. 6 and 10. Missed a few free throws, but rebounded the ball. Played tough. Um, so I, I didn't see the game, but I'm looking at the stats and – Look, there is no sign that the, unfortunately for you, Jimmy, that the Pacers are tanking. I think what they are in is let's keep improving mode. Yes. Let's try to win these dang games, and let's let's try to have some fun in in doing this down the stretch. And uh, I look at Halliburton's numbers, <laughs> brilliant night last night. Uh, I'm looking at the minutes played by some of their players. Um, I think this this continues. To, there is there's. Pacer fans have every reason, regardless of whether they tank, regardless of what pick they get, to be excited about the future of this organization. And to be clear, I've clarified this a number of times, just so no one thinks that I'm, you know, just hoping and more praying clueless they tank. than I actually am. Jimmy's not clueless. No, no, nobody on the roster, nobody on the coaching staff is actively trying to tank. And if you thought they were, they've proven that the last just small sample size of let's just say five games. I'm not sitting here thinking, ah, oh, well, Halliburton's going to mail it in the rest of the way because he's worried about what type of draft pick. No, no one is worried about that within the Pacers organization. Maybe there's some in the front office, perhaps, but no one is publicly saying that as our goal. This is not like the trust the process operation that, ironically enough, you saw from the Philadelphia 76ers a number of years ago that saw them get pieces like Joel Embiid. I'm just at a point where... I've seen where this team can go this year, and just because the play-in is there as an added element to prevent tanking and to keep teams motivated and invested towards the stretch, I don't think the Pacers need that as an organization. I think they would still be fighting and clawing regardless of if it was going for the 8th seed or going for the 10th or 11th seed, or the 10th seed, I should say. There's other spots within the or, or within the league where you see that, where there's teams that would lay down and uh, we're just going to mail it in the rest of the way. That's not Rick Carlisle. That's not this group. That is a long way of me saying the playing is just a little added entertainment element for me. I, I, I don't need to see that from this group to get a better understanding for where their needs are heading into next year. Eddie, I think Jimmy would be much happier, though, if they the Pacers tanked and got the number one pick in the lottery, Jimmy, yeah, sure. It would take some I, I, ultimate I, luck. I'd, I'd love that. I would love for, for now, luck to finally strike the franchise and form the lottery. It has. There's not a long track record of success. There's not. <laughs> no, and I think where the Pacers currently are is if they do make the plan, they're looking at like you, you, what you're seeing is is a Cinderella. You're seeing a team like Drake, which could easily be a Cinderella Final Four team this year. Um. Lafayette or Louisiana. Louisiana just punched their ticket last night. The Raging Cajuns. Yeah. A team like that. You're seeing a Cinderella team in your Pacers right now if they do make the if they do make the play-in game, if they do make the playoffs. I hope they do. I'm excited to see what they could do. I'm thinking upset city. And the reason that I asked you this yesterday is that let's just say they get there for the sake of argument. Now they're three back on the law side of Washington who holds that 10th and final spot. Let's say they beat Miami and they are able to advance that process going from from 10 to 8 would be if they, if they went out to get there. 
let's say they get there and it's Milwaukee and Indiana. I, I just I don't I don't need I don't need to see that because I, I know how that's ending. I do like I, it, Milwaukee's moving on from that series. I, I get it. I understand it's oh well you got a chance you got to buy it. The Milwaukee's a better team from nearly top to bottom. The Pacers are a better organization this year than they were last year. We all know that they have more rising star power. They have a good process in the rebuild. But we had Tony East on yesterday, Dane. I mean, it, it is whether you want to call it year two or year 1.5 with wherever they're at right now in their timeline on a rebuild, this is still an ongoing process. And so help me, if Tyrese Halliburton becomes a worse player over the course of his career because they didn't make the play-in tournament, I, I'll st- I said this last week, I'll stop watching basketball. I will. won't watch anymore. I can respect that. It's not happening. They, them missing the play-in does not equal, oh man, Tyrese Halliburton, he was never the same player. Come on. I can respect that. Eddie? Uh, I can respect that as well. I, I mean, even if they make it and they lose, it's still by record anyway, so it doesn't really matter, Jimmy, at the end of the day. I mean, if you make it and lose, so what? Yeah. Plus, like, I, I don't know if I talked to you about this. Like, when you look at the NBA standings inverted, I mean, they can only really finish with the fifth worst record in the association. Yeah. So, I mean, they can only move down if you're looking at it that way. By two slots. Jimmy's currently upside down. If they, <laughs> I am inverted. If they finish fifth, though, and again, I don't know the amount of chances we're looking at. I only know the percentages. You get a percent and a half better odds at the number one pick, and you get essentially five percentage points better at a top four selection going from six to five. No one cares about that outside of fans. Again, the, the, no one is telling that team meetings to Rick Carlisle and to Miles Turner and to Tyrese Halliburton. That's that's not what's going on here. But from a sports conversation of where this franchise is headed, yes, I would like better odds at striking gold. And even if they don't, let's say they don't get the number one pick or they don't get top two, but they're top four. So Scoot's off the board and Wembenyama's off the board. I want a better chance for Kevin Pritchard to operate and hopefully stack back-to-back top-tier draft classes and really put this franchise on the place they need to be. He he, he earned my trust back in terms of uh, being concerned about what the Pacers are going to do in the draft last year. I want to continue to give him better chances and more ammo to do what he needs to do to get this team to the next level. And I know you brought this up yesterday and how you're not a big believer in you know the trading up aspect. but No, no, no. To be clear, I'm not against it. I'm just saying from a value perspective, people are talking about those picks, not you, but they're too vague about it. Like they have the fifth pick, the 10th pick and the 14th pick. They have the fifth pick and then they have what would be 26 and 28. Well, let's say you're a team like Charlotte. You end up with the third. Pacers have the fifth. You offer up your Pacers offer up the fifth pick and then either that Boston pick or Cleveland pick, whichever you want to offer up. And then you throw in that Houston second. Because uh, as of right now, the Pacers would have that second round pick from Houston, which would fall as the second pick in the second round, which is actually pretty valuable. Would you do that if you were Charlotte? I would because of the lack of talent that they yeah. have around LaMelo Ball. You need as many picks as you can get. And if there's and if there's a guy, I mean, they have, I think they have a couple wings as it, as it is now, so they don't really need Brandon Miller. So if you can recoup like an extra couple picks and move back two spots and you're still getting a top five player, I would do it. I don't disagree with that. I and, and maybe that's the viable path because we're all in agreement. There's no getting into that 
top two range or top. It just it, they don't have the assets to do it in my mind. But if you're moving up a spot or two to go get the guy you really want, yeah, you could, you can talk me into that. And and Charlotte with the state that they're in, I'm sure they would welcome any picks regardless of where they're at. In I the just draft. think for the Pacers, there's for the for the especially for the Pacers, there's one Banyana and then there's everybody else. Yeah, that's the one guy. Scoot, that doesn't turn me on. I mean, I, going into the season, I, I was the same way. I've, I've grown more on Scoot Henderson as the season and as the year has unfolded. But yeah, Wembenyama's the crown jewel, and the Pacers made it known from the get-go of this season that they were not going to be a team that was in those sweepstakes, barring hitting the lottery, which as much as the NBA wants to continue to tout that when they shrunk the odds to be more reflected of even chance, 14% chance for the top three, <clears throat> It's even harder to move up. Well, and that's Always why I think been. you go to free agency and yeah. you get that forward, that Wimbanya, that forward that you want, the guy that can shoot, the guy that can defend multiple positions, the guy that's got good size, but and the guy that's pretty skilled. I think that's what you do. There's going to be plenty of free agents out there. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that realm. My only issue is, and I haven't looked because the season's still ongoing, of who the best names will be available, but for this franchise and for the city. From a marketability standpoint, the only way they're ever going to be at a spot where they are competing with the more luxurious destinations in the league is if they have a baseline foundation of, hey, we're a player away, you come here, we're going to win a championship, or we're going to contend for one. And it would would depend on the player for me to say that they're a player away from free agency from being to that level. Here are those forwards that are free agents. Uh, just out of your curiosity, Jimmy, uh, there's Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, Kyle Kuzma, Kelly Oubre, Jay Crowder. Um, that's about it. Cam Reddish, Cameron Johnson, if they don't uh, come into agreement on an extension in Brooklyn. That's about it. That's P.J. Washington, Grant Williams, because yeah. I, I don't think Grant and Boston will come to an extension agreement because I don't think they have the money that they can offer him. There, there's there's depth pieces and there's role players there, but that, and Eddie and Dan, I want to get your thoughts on this. None of those names off the top in the seasons they've had this year, Put not saying I wouldn't want them here, but push me into the idea that they're going to move this team to contender status. Cam Johnson for me. You add another shooter, he's yeah. a good defender and he rebounds. And that his would brother's be name's Puff. Pass. Puff. Pass. His name's Puff. Plays for Carolina. As we continue to watch all that unfold. You like the name Puff, Jimmy? I, I like the name Puff, yeah. Do you like the name Puff? Not really. You say no. I should name my first child first Puff child. Cook? Puff Cook. Puff Cook, yeah. Puffy. For short? Yeah. Or not for short, but for nickname <laughs> purposes. <laughs> uh, I'm Jimmy Cook. That's Dane Fife, Eddie Garrison, guiding us through the afternoon. Still to come, Pat Forty going to join us at 1 o'clock, top of the next hour. And then Mike Chappell giving us his thoughts in the 2 o'clock hour post-Colts Combine. Colts coaching staff all solidified where he feels the next move needs to take place, not just in the trade-up department, but in the foundational pieces department that might be available come free agency. When we return, though, an update on conference tournaments. Any surprises last night? Where were tickets punched and how does it impact what you might be looking at, not just from a betting perspective, but also as you continue to get amped up for March Madness. That and more on the other side here on The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And Midday Show, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife from the DriveHuber.com studios. Marsh Madness, as it is copyrighted, might not be officially upon us, but the madness is definitely here. Championship week. Dane, we talked about it. Maybe the casual basketball fan doesn't appreciate it as much, but you're missing out with the high stakes adrenaline that you can gather from these small conference tournaments. More tickets punched last night. Uh, you mentioned Louisiana captures the Sun Belt over South Alabama, I believe, Correct. last night. And then, and then Furman. Furman, victorious. The, the Paladins? Yes. The Paladins. First, the Furman Paladins, coached by Bob Ritchie. First time in 43 years. They wow. uh, they avenge a... I forgot how dramatic the buzzer beater was last year. Uh, I, I understand that a lot of you probably aren't glued to the Southern Conference Championship Tournament every year, but last year it was Chattanooga and Furman. Same Furman hits, Furman hits a layup with like four seconds to go. Chattanooga brings it up the floor. They end up just in front of half court, left sideline, hoist a shot at the horn, nothing but nylon. Chattanooga's dancing, Furman's hearts are broken, and a number of members of that Furman team, as they reflected on that game, job's not finished. We need to come back one more year, hang it up. This time, they were 1-2 last year. This time, it's 1-7. Chattanooga gave them everything they could hope for, but Furman, good story of redemption and and, and staying true. The Dens punched their ticket last night. Fun game to watch. Good to see. Redemption. Guys come back. Those are the kind of stories you love. That's half the reason that college basketball is the beautiful product that it is. And then on the Louisiana side of things, again, we, we gave you some of these last night. Uh, full transparency, we'll get to this at the end of the show. But uh, no such luck from Hofstra as a UNC Wilmington gets them in the CAA semifinals last night. But we did give you Furman and we did give you Louisiana and the Raging Cages. I think the first time it's either seven or nine years, I can't remember if it was 2014 or 2016, that they are back in the big dance, that was another down to the wire game. That yeah, I th- saw they're all going to be, in. and that's the thing. I think uh, Furman pulled out. Uh, they they jumped out to what looked like I think it was about a twenty point lead, but it tightened up. Another game that's going to be interesting to watch tonight might pique the interest of some Indiana fans is the Gonzaga St. Mary's game, and that's the West Coast Conference Tournament final. That's number nine and number 16 going at it head-to-head. Two close games. Jimmy, did you throw anything at a TV last night? Was anything thrown <laughs> no. last night? No, I don't, I, don't, I don't throw things. How about clenching anything, like maybe a sponge ball, just something to relieve we, your stress? We have uh, two dogs, Yep. Uh, a miniature dachshund named Riggs and a miniature gold doodle named Judge. That is so Jimmy, and, and, isn't it, Eddie? And, and, and Judge, yeah. <laughs> Judge is a big fan of fetch. Okay, and so, that's how you so tennis ball uh, yeah. frequently just kind of it and throw it, bounce it a little bit, and then just trying to yeah. because we we did we 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 had uh, that's my extra edge there. Put over twenty five dollars here, twenty dollars yeah. there yeah. on these conference tournaments. I I was very much a raging Cajun last night. Were you? Yeah, for for a brief moment in time. I might jump into the sweepstakes. I might give you a call tonight. Please do. Jump on board with you. Any concerns for you? We talked about the 
state of contenders this year. Gonzaga has fallen a couple of times this year in conference at a matchup against, like you mentioned, St. Mary's tonight. How do you feel about Gonzaga across the board this year? Drew Timmy obviously came back. It's Mark Few's crew. They're usually right up there within the one line. feels like every year, not so much this season. I think, still a threat. The, I think it's the most beatable Gonzaga team in probably yeah. four or five years. I, I, I like them. They're good enough to contend for probably a Sweet 16. I don't like them beyond that, depending on their matchup. I love Drew Timmy. I mean, he's a consummate Gonzaga player. There's a great article on him. Uh, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports did a great article on him, Drew Timmy. But I also think St. Mary's is better than they were last yeah. year. Uh, they're finally healthy. They've got an excellent freshman guard. If you haven't seen them, that game's going to be a great game to watch tonight, 9 p.m. on the ESPN It's going to be a great game, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Looking forward to that one. And then, of course, we're inching closer and closer towards the start of the Big Ten tournament. That action gets underway tomorrow from Chicago, Ohio State and Wisconsin at 630. And then, uh, as the usual approximation, 25 minutes after that first game, it'll be Minnesota and Nebraska. That Minnesota-Nebraska matchup, the first of a potential opponent for Indiana to meet on Friday. You mentioned this a little bit yesterday but when you look at minnesota nebraska just a snore fest in your mind any any hope for either of those those two on on the maryland side should they move on no i, I think that uh it's going to be a uh maryland hoosier matchup yeah. and then it's going to be hoosier northwestern matchup and then it's going to be hoosier purdue matchup i think that's how it's going to go and that's still your baseline in terms of for you to not believe in this Indiana team, but for you to have a benchmark for where they can go in March is still winning or making it to the final? I I think Indiana... You predicted them to is, win, is, but is, I mean, in terms chan- of... Is it final four talent? They just It's overwhelming what Indiana has the ability to do when you throw their front line a race trace and then Malik Renu, who's, who's finally playing to... He's probably playing the best basketball he's played all year as far as not turning the ball over, getting good shots on the rim, and rebounding. We'll get more on that college basketball front here in just a second, plus a look at some of the prospects that you saw work out at NFL Combine Week last week. Those pro days will continue to hype up and roll around as we get closer and closer to the draft. Pat Forty will take us on a dive through that as well as his thoughts on the Hoosiers. And if, if he agrees with, with Dane's assessment that they have Final Four-like talent on that roster and are capable of making a deep run into March. Pat Forty joins us next here on the Fan Midday Show. Inside, Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. At the drivehuber.com studios here on the Fan Midday Show, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife, Eddie Garrison behind those ones and twos. Thanks so much for spending part of your Tuesday afternoon with us here on The Fan. Joining us next, one of my favorites in the world of college sports. He's a senior writer for Sports Illustrated. You find his work there as well as on Twitter at by Pat Forty. It is the aforementioned Pat Forty. Pat, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all? Doing great. 
Thanks, as always, for making the time for us. Pat, championship week is upon us. You have, obviously, the 40-yard dash rolling and your 40 minutes column on sportsillustrated.com. Reference a number of different questions leaning into championship week. One that caught my mind, you mentioned how officials are going to handle refing big men. You mes- you mentioned Oscar Shibwe, and I thought initially with that headline, oh, it was going to be because big men like Shibwe or like Zach Eady on Purdue's side uh, are often getting whacked left and right, and there's no uh, there's no whistles that follow because how big they are. But in this instance, it's the other way with Shibwe anyway. It's the physical and aggressiveness with which he plays. How big of an issue will that be, both fouls they commit and fouls that are committed against them for the big man, both in conference championship week and in March Madness upcoming? I think it's going to be a big issue. Uh, We've got more good big men in college basketball than ever, probably, because, or at least going back, you know, 50 years, because they don't go pro uh, if you're not of a certain prototype. And so you've got a lot of really good big guys, and they can wreak mayhem inside. And, yeah, some of it is being inflicted on them, and some is them inflicting on others. And with the uh, preoccupation, I guess you would say, about high elbows, uh, blows to the head with arms, shoulders, whatever, I I just think we're going to have like 9 million replay reviews (laughs) in the next three weeks as – we, uh, we all go Zapruder film over every single time anybody raises an elbow. And they just got to be consistent and get it right. That's that's the biggest thing. It's going to slow down the games, but if they're getting it right and making the calls they should make, then okay. But I, I fear this is going to be a pretty controversial topic. Pat, you aren't in the realm of bracketology necessarily right you're, you're covering the action both from a, not just a human interest standpoint but the game by game standpoint but one of the biggest areas of concern amongst fans in this state is where Purdue ends up from a seeding standpoint for the longest time it felt like well maybe that one seed is a lock for them and now as they close the season and more teams have continued to hang around, Houston, Alabama, and Kansas are almost assured that one seed. You mentioned this in your 40 minutes of who will grab that last one, and you referenced Purdue and you referenced UCLA. In your mind, how much of the conference tournament and the deep run that might follow for either of those teams impacts who gets that last seed? Is it who wins the conference tournament? Is it who finishes better? Where are you measuring that at? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, just from the um, the committee standpoint, they, you know, it's not the kind of thing they want to leave till Sunday afternoon. We're like, ah, let's see how the Big Ten championship game goes, you yeah. know. So they like to have their work done as early as possible, although it's more who's in the field and then the seeding comes later. But still, you know, I have a feeling they'll want to have that wrapped up certainly by Saturday. The, big, the Pac-12 tournament finishes Saturday, usually late. Uh, we'll see whether Purdue is still playing. We'll see whether UCLA is still playing out West. Um, They may already have a a predisposition. They may already think going in, this is the way we want to go. But but I would have to think that the possibility exists that if one of those teams, you know, takes a quarterfinal knockout and the other one makes the championship game, that they may, that may be a deciding factor. Um, Now, either way, it may not be a huge difference, but from a geography of where you're starting, which region you're in, uh, and then, you know, the sheer mathematics of there's only been one 16 seed that's ever beaten a one seed, you know, you do want to be on that top line. It's a close call, 
Uh, I agree. I mean, I thought UCLA. I'm sorry, Purdue was was a lock number one seed and perhaps the number one overall seed a few weeks ago, but they've they've wobbled a bit down the stretch. Pat Forty, Dane Fife, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Dane. How are you? I'm doing great. Sitting here with Jimmy and Eddie. Hey, uh, guys, little known fact: I, Pat Forty, as of probably a couple years ago, wasn't even the best writer in his family. What's Mitchell Forty <laughs> up to? <laughs> Mitchell Forty is still a sports writer. God help him. He's the black Gosh. sheep of the children. Um, he's working for Athlon Sports. Uh, so he's grinding away, doing a lot of football stuff. He was all over the combine. And uh, he's he's still uh, still typing for a living, unfortunately. The next superstar in the business. Hey, uh, Pat, um, what what's your, what's your take on the expansion, uh, perhaps, of the NCAA tournament? I think it would be terrible. Um, I think it would be an obnoxious, insulting money grab that everyone would see through, you know, that it's just simply a way for more power conferences to get more teams in. They already get uh, a an extremely high number. And, you know, one of the reasons they get a high number is because of the way they schedule. And they increasingly get more conference games, fewer non-conference games, fewer non-conference games where you will give a chance to someone like, say, a North Texas, a Drake, an Oral Roberts to come play in your place, or that certainly you're not going to go play them there. So I I don't want to see it go to 70. I don't want to see it go to 72. I don't want to see it go to 80 at all. Uh, But I think we're probably going to get some expansion because Mm -hmm. the the money people always win. Mm -hmm. Why why has the Big Ten struggled? to really make hay, make waves in the NCAA tournament? Last national championship, Michigan State, 2000? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I That's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, there's been plenty of really good teams, good programs, um, and just not an ability to finish, whether it's been, you know, Michigan to a couple of Final Fours, whether it's been Michigan State, Ohio State's been, you know, it's... It, it's pretty mystifying because clearly the commitment to be good is there. Uh, the players usually are there. The coaching usually is there. Uh, so, you know, whether it's, it's – at this point, it should be more than – it's more than bad luck, right? This is 23 mm-hmm. years we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something missing, and I can't really for sure say what it is. Uh, but the proof's in the pudding and in the bracket. And, you know, this year there's going to be a ton of Big Ten teams in there but I'm not sure there's many national championship contenders. Right, right. Well, here's 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 a big question for you, and you can only pick two teams. You've got Michigan, you've got Rutgers, and you've got – oh, shoot, who's my third team? Penn State. Okay, Michigan, Rutgers, and Penn State. You can only pick two. Welp, all right. To get in the tournament, I would say – Let's see who wins at noon yeah. on Thursday between uh, yeah. Michigan and Rutgers. And it's funny, guys. Uh, I mean, I remember because I was there. They were going to play at noon on Thursday three years ago, and they got pulled off the court, and the mm. entire season ended right yeah. then and there. Yeah. So at least they're going to play this year. Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, and I think winner advances, loser goes home. Wow. And then we'll see if Penn State um, – if they win their first round game and, and maybe they get in. So I don't know. I mean, Michigan to me has the least stuff on the resume uh-huh. of those three. But if they beat Rutgers, that kind of feels like an elimination game. 
Pat, that kind of leads into my next question. Pat Forty, nice enough to join us here on the Fan Midday Show. You can follow him on Twitter at ByPat40. We talk about bubble drama and where those last spots can be squeaked out. Most bracketologists have the conference anywhere from 9 to 10 bids, regardless of how the Big Ten plays out tournament-wise. Is that where you see the structure of the conference being in terms of representation, about 9 to 10? Probably so. You know, I mean, I think it is the most interesting bubble conference because you you have those three that you mentioned, and then you have Wisconsin, you know, still hanging around there. Uh, and, boy, I mean, Wisconsin almost completely blew it at Minnesota the other night. But uh, I, I think so. I mean, that's a lot of teams. Yeah. And sometimes I watch and I'm like, man, I don't want to see all these teams in the tournament. <laughs> but, you know, they they've got – the resumes that I think will probably put them in there. Um, now we'll see. Like if if Charleston loses tonight um, in the CAA final, I would hate to see Charleston not make it at large, and so that may knock out a Big Ten team. And then you've got the potential for bid stealers in all kinds of leagues if somebody jumps up out of nowhere and wins a conference. Sticking in the Big Ten for a second on the Purdue side of things. They've come up short, had some heartbreaking losses over the last couple of seasons. When you look at this team and their body of work, is this finally the group in your eyes that makes that Final Four run? Again, I know, I told this to Dan earlier, you have to include the caveat of, well, what does the draw look like? But but if they end up being a one seed, in theory, uh, that's, that's the ideal spot to be if you want to make that type of run. Yeah, I'm kind of scarred on Purdue uh, proclamations because last year <laughs> I was all in. You know, like I just thought with Jaden Ivey yeah. and with the size and everything and the experience, I thought that was the year to do it. And then when the bracket breaks open and they're going to play uh, St. Peter's in in the 16, and you're like, oh, it's happening, it's happening. And then they did, you know, they didn't didn't do it. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm just not sure I can ever pick this team to go that far, but. Boy, I mean, you said the last couple of years disappointing. The last, oh, yeah. 45 yeah. years or so. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you want to go back, heck, you can go back to Rick Mountain if you want. I was but, trying to be kinder, but yeah, yeah. that's true. That's yeah. that old. Yeah. Yeah. That was there. <laughs> I mean, it's a great program that just can't get over the hump ever. Yeah. And so you got to figure, look, Matt Painter's a great coach. Yep. They've, they're going to be consistently good, and you keep knocking on the door, eventually it opens, but I, I don't know when. Pat Forty joining us of Sports Illustrated. Pat, I want to look at championship week as a whole. We've talked a little bit about it, but I know you're, you're constantly live tweeting it and following all of it. Uh, on the mid-major side of things, what you, I know you mentioned College of Charleston tonight. Where is your eyes the rest of the week tracking conference tournaments, particularly on the mid-major level? Yeah, um, Charleston really intrigued with them. Uh, Drake's already got their bid. That's good because I think they're really good. Um, Florida Atlantic is intriguing to me. And Conference USA, there's three good teams there. There's them and there's North Texas and there's UAB. Um, FAU, I think if they don't win that tournament, still going to get in. But uh, So that could be a multi-bid league. Um, Trying to think where else out there. You know, the... The Horizon Final is going to be fun and wild and entertaining, probably. I'm not sure either of those teams, Cleveland State or Northern Kentucky, wins a game in the next round, but they could maybe make life uncomfortable for somebody. So, you know, there's always a lot to watch this week, that's for sure. I think there's five bids decided tonight, so that's going to be a lot of fun. 
and big picture on the Bayer Conference. I know we talked about the Big Ten, but uh, we had Seth Greenberg on yesterday. Dane had had the goal to ask the North Carolina question, to which Seth Greenberg uh, swatted that away. As you look at other storylines, big conference-wise, what are you tracking? Yeah, well, I mean, North Carolina, I think, is they, they, unless they win like three games, make the ACC final, I think they're out, and they wow. would be the biggest bust in the history of <laughs> preseason number one teams. Uh, yeah, I mean, going back, they were going back to – 1962, none of them has ever missed a, a 68-team field. That's for damn Jeez. sure. Um, you know, the other big tournaments, I, I'm going to the SEC. I want to see how Alabama ha- handles having 13 fan bases just vilifying <laughs> uh, That's going to be pretty sassy, I think. Sassy, big 12 is going to be word. probably the best basketball in terms of competitiveness because they got the most good teams. Uh, but can anybody knock off Kansas in Kansas City? Don't know, mm-hmm. um, and then you know ACC. I shoot that you you, you want to talk about a bunch of teams that are just kind of okay. Yeah. You know, is can a, can Miami or Duke? I think Duke's probably going to is the most talented team, and I think yeah. they probably can win that. But still, I'm waiting for somebody in the ACC to show something. Pat, give us your winner, your overall winner, and your dark horse if you can. Um, boy, right now. Again, all this bracket dependent, but but uh, I'm going with Kansas. It's an unimaginative and same here, Pat. To a degree, to a degree kind here. of annoying, but yeah. I mean they're just they're so well coached and they yeah, just they, you know they, agree. they get into it's unbelievable. They get into close games and they just know what to do and they execute and they're tough and they you know they they find ways to score. That you know they're just unbelievable. Their ability to just throw the ball inside and get baskets when they need baskets. Yep. So yep. I would I would start with Kansas. How about a dark horse, big fella? Dark horse, I would say who? Um I want to say Texas, but I'm not sure they qualify as a dark horse. They're going to be like a two seed, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, possible. How about Marquette? Now, I like that. Marquette Smart's had a lot of first round losses, a lot yep. of first round losses, but He's also been to a Final Four with an 11 seed. Tyler Kolek's a great point guard. Sure is. He's a young Dane Fife out there. Uh, and, you know, they just – I love their style, and yep. they've, they've had a great season. We'll see what the draw looks like for them. But they got great uh, size, Pat. I just watched them play. Yeah. I watched them play Butler the other day. They, I just couldn't believe how big they are. Yeah, yeah. They, great they, size. They, they can stand up in the middle against about anybody. Pat, I know you're the wearer of many hats year-round with the college football and basketball season. He's got such a great shelf. He's got such a great dude. He, does, he doesn't, he doesn't, need, need, he doesn't to need to wear, wear the hats, right? More, more, of, a, more of a metaphorical it, hat in, in, he knows in, in, in this sense. He knows it. Just finished up with <laughs> just finished up with the NFL Combine. Obviously, you track the college football season as well as anybody. Colts are very hungry to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. I want to start first SEC-wise. One of the biggest knocks on Anthony Richardson is his accuracy. That isn't something that's going to be changed from a hype or a scouting standpoint from the Combine, but he did have one of the more electric Combines in recent memory at the quarterback position. Your overall thoughts on the Florida product? Yeah, he's no Dane Fife, who was a quarterback, I believe, at Clarkston, Michigan. Wow. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I, am very much wait and see on Richardson. Yeah. I, I just, I'm wary. His accuracy is so sketchy. Uh, he's so raw. You know, I, I mean, 
could he be the next Josh Allen where all of a sudden he just flourishes, you know, the, the coaching kicks in and he just gets way better? Yeah, but there's also a lot of quarterbacks like him who don't get better and they're just not accurate passers and that's it, period, and that's not going to fly. You know, you can you can trick up an offense in this day and age to do a lot more things with a quarterback other than just have him stand in the pocket and throw. You know, you look at Lamar Jackson, who was an NFL MVP, uh, and this guy's a physical freak. But you still have to be able to deliver on third and eight a bunch of times during a game and during a season. And I just don't know whether I see that out of him. Is the Bryce Young height and frame thing overblown? I, I, I think you can't go wrong with Young or Stroud in my mind, but I found myself defending Young over the last couple of weeks because I – this is probably me simplifying it too much, but it feels like there's so many good billables on his end that this is his Joe Burrow small hands thing, even though the height and the frame probably do matter a little bit, but is it being overblown? Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of on-field production, I think he's the best guy in the draft. I really do. I mean, he's a gamer. He's a winner. He's a playmaker. He's smart. He's fearless. He's relentless. Uh the question is, yes, can he? Will he also be on the shelf after eight games because he's hurt? I, I, you know, I can't answer that with any certainty. But boy, I, I like him more than the other quarterbacks. That's for sure. You know, and this is the time of year. This, this is what people do from now until May <laughs> is obsess over every measurable, and his measurables aren't great. But and you have to actually play football, and if you put on actual football, he's really good at it. On the defensive side of things, even though the Colts are likelihood taking a quarterback, uh, where jumps out at you in terms of the number of prospects you covered this year that have their name in April's draft on the defensive side? Well, I mean, you know, just at the very top with Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, I mean, they're both just magnificent physical players, uh, but there's obviously issues, especially with Carter now. (laughs) I mean, you know, major issues. And Todd McShay got bashed pretty hard for bringing up character concerns, but uh, you know what? There are character concerns with Jalen Carter. And uh, Will Anderson uh, had, like, after last year, I was going to say he's the absolute number one pick. I don't care what you need. Then this year, he was disappointing. There were games he did nothing. There were games where his biggest contributions were jumping offside or overrunning a play, you know? Uh, So I, I was really kind of really disappointed and shocked kind of by his year. Now, you know, maybe his mind wasn't right because all he was doing was thinking about the draft. But if I were an NFL franchise, I would now be taking a second look at him and saying, gosh, I, I don't know. So, you know, everybody's got questions right now. Nobody's a sure thing. But those two guys should be a sure thing in a vacuum. But we don't play or live in a vacuum. Yeah. Pat, last question on my end, switching back to the basketball ranks. We talked a little bit about Purdue. On the Indiana side of things, you look at how this team closed the regular season. Uh, Dane and I made a little bit more confidence on Dane's front that they can win the Big Ten title or win the Big Ten Conference Championship, rather. Where do you see this team going once we roll into March Madness here next week? I like them. I do. You know, I, I, I think they've got the talent to do it. Um, they've got size. They've got some versatility. You know, they've got, I think, enough athleticism. Uh, you're counting on some young guys for sure. You know, I mean, you need Hood Shafino to, to play really, really well, but he's capable. Uh, and then some other guys too. So, but, you know, I mean, I was talking to a coach 
of a really good team last week. Uh, and he said, there's no Baylor this year, looking back to 21. He said, mm-hmm. Baylor was the best team, and Gonzaga was the second-best team, and nobody was going to beat them. Uh, he said, that's not the case this year. So yeah, I, don't, I don't think it was the case last year. It was a little more wide open. This year's more open than that. And I tend to agree. I think that if you're Indiana, you go into this tournament and think, sure, we can go to the Final Four. Why? There, you know, maybe you don't, but you have the ability, right. and it's not like there's some monolith standing in the way of you. Yeah. Pat, where are you at this week? I will be uh, at the SEC tournament listening that's to people boo Alabama. <laughs> that's right. That's what I thought I heard. Um, well, Jimmy? Pat, thank you for making the time. Safe travels to you. Looking forward to following the coverage. And uh, actually, one last thing. We've been debating this uh, throughout the day and try to give it to our listeners. Uh, Pat, this is... The, even though it's the the appetizer to the big dance, this is arguably the best time of year with all these conference championship finals. No, oh man, the Thursday and Friday of this week are just yeah, those are my favorites. Even more than the Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament, although wow. at least in those, it's it's truly winner go home, yeah, and you do yeah. get some great Cinderella stories. But I mean, noon to midnight, really noon to two a.m. out west, you've just got really good teams playing really good teams in all the big conferences and. You know, they're all sick of each other. They've Most of them have already played twice. There's anger. There's animosity. There's drama. There's competitiveness. So I just I love the end of championship week as much as anything. Well, enjoy every second of it, Pat, and thank you again for You're making the man, time for Pat. us. Pat. Thank you. All right. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. That is Pat Forty, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. You can follow him on Twitter at ByPat40. Pretty much solidified it in unison with you, Dane, in terms of where Indiana can go, and I'm not surprised I'd forgotten that Pat was, like many were, in the boat that Purdue had the recipe to win it all last year in terms of roster construction. But Purdue's stumbling last year is a real microcosm of the statement we've been making all day, which is without the draw and without knowing what matchups you're going to face, that's half the battle for why it's so dang hard to win the big dance. Well, I do. I think matchups are critical, and I also think though Purdue had chemistry issues. Yeah, not in a negative, not not in a negative. It negatively affected them, but I don't think it was a negative thing. They just weren't clicking on all cylinders, and you could see that. Like they they had everything it took. It just it's so critical at that point in the year to have to be clicking. Plus the matchup, and Purdue just was not clicking internally, and they ran into a team that really exposed it in St. Peter's. You look at this year's roster for Purdue, I think we're both in agreement on that. I, I don't get that similar vibe in terms of No, I, I think Purdue chemistry. has great chemistry. I just think they have to figure they have to make it might be drastic, but they have to make a drastic change. And it, it it's a small but drastic change. They have to figure out how to defend the ball screen. I think they'll score enough. They have to figure out how to defend the ball screen. It's Dane Fife. I'm Jimmy Cook here on the Fan Midday Show. When we come back, they're going to pay who, what in the NFL? We'll break that down on the other side. You're on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Deadline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, for franchise tags in the NFL, Jimmy Cook and Dane Fife, along with Eddie Garrison here in the DriveHuber.com studios. 
We've talked a lot about where the Colts are in their quarterback process, and that is infancy, effectively. If they're about to draft the new QB, you're going to be on the rookie deal, that that highly coveted rookie deal where you can afford to splurge in different premium positions that you have to be very flexible with when you pay a quarterback a ton of money. You've already seen some deals finalized over the last couple of days in the quarterback market around the league. Derek Carr locked up with the New Orleans Saints about, I think, 32 and a half a year was that deal, if I'm not mistaken. And then Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are in their ongoing discussions. The reports are that, at least from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, he's going to be tagged today if they aren't able to come to terms with anything, which at this point, it appears that is stalled out. But the name that bugs me the most, Dane, it's not even Geno Smith getting a contract yesterday, even though the number will scare a lot of people because it's front-loaded. So the first year of his three-year deal is $52 million, which is <laughs> is insane in the quarterback market. But again, it's just one year it tapers off after that. The biggest name that shocks me is the ongoing issue with Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. And that's not a name if you're the Colts where like I'm looking at that if he gets not tagged and is not agreed upon to a free agent or into a contract extension and ends up hitting the open market. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the reports are from NFL Network, the Giants are standing pat. And there are certain instances as a front office where you cannot do something just for the sake of doing it. And if $40 million or $45 million is the number that Daniel Jones camp is wanting, I can't sign that type of contract long term. Conversely, the Colts are at the bottom of that stage, just trying to figure out who the guy is going to be. But once you get to that point, you have to decide if you pay him or not. And I, hey. I, I'm not doing that if I'm the Giants. Well, I, t- I tell you, I, I would like to de- defer to the football guru, and that's Eddie. Because uh, I, I think I, – I don't think that any quarterback's worth that kind of money. I, I just don't. I mean, it – it depends how you quantify that, right? If you're talking about real-world dollars for the average working American, then yes, I agree with you. But at some point, with where the money is in the league, like Mahomes or, or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, yes, I'm giving them that money because I think they're that talented. They're one of the tops of the sport, and you need that position solidified to consistently win in this league. First path to Super Bowl success, if you don't have a great defense, is building around a young quarterback that has a team-friendly contract after that if he's proven himself you need to lock him in and adjust the rest i of guess life. the better question is is what what does daniel jones think that that merits that kind of money for comparison's sake here sure that 45 million a year that he's coveting it's the same as your guy and for those that don't know or maybe turn on the radio for the first time eddie's referring to my guy in patrick mahomes that would be more than josh allen <laughs> Dak Prescott, <laughs> Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Matty Ice. I stand firm. I don't think any QB is worth that kind of money. Any QB other than Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to modify your statement a little bit. Of the names listed on there, until you got towards maybe the last two, and I'm talking about the last two seasons, not full body of work for the career, all of those names I would pay to lock in more so than I would Daniel Jones. He's not worthy of that amount of money. And that is the issue that is ongoing with the league right now. The Colts might have to deal with it, not in the quarterback realm just yet, but they're going to have to deal with it at some point 
with Jonathan Taylor. I know that's a, a, an elephant in the room because a lot of people, myself included, really like Jonathan Taylor. But you come to a crossroads when you're having to pay a big money deal to a running back, and the Colts aren't quite at that threshold yet. They could give an extension this year if they wanted to, correct, Eddie? But they still, yes, sir. They still have time to play with in that regard. The rumors yesterday, um, I believe, and Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong on this, this wasn't dragged from the Titans, but the rumor was, all right, are they going to try to move on from Derrick Henry in that regard? Are they going to try to shop him a little bit around the open market? That's a top-tier running back like that. If I'm right on that, which I believe I am in that same vein, the Giants are in the same boat with Saquon Barkley. I know he's had injury history, but he had a great season last year. You don't win in this league by paying running backs the bag. And then you look at <laughs> nice. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Uh, and then you look at Cincinnati. I mean, they're dealing with a bunch of issues right now with Joe Mixon that are just off the field. Um, you know, the recent news coming yesterday. Gunshots from his house in Ohio. Child is injured. There has been no uh, specification on the types of injuries or injury for this said child, but there was talks before all of this that they would part ways from Joe Bixon to open up cap because Joe Burrow, he is due that bag, and if you look at uh, the trickle-down effect possibly of Daniel Jones, if he wants that $45 million, Jimmy, if you're Joe Burrow and his agent, how valuable does that make Joe Burrow? And that is the process to what I was kind of alluding to a little bit. That's a great point on your part. And it wraps in Dane's point as well, because Dane's argument is, well, no quarterback's worth that kind of money unless they've really proven it. But because of the crazy deals we've seen year after year after year at that position, and because of the greed of, I'm not going to say players as much as agents, Agents. because they're obviously getting a cut of that and are, are working to get the best dollar possible to fill their pockets as well, then that starts to really put franchises in a tough boat where you really have to look in the mirror and say, is this guy our future? Do we have a legitimate chance of winning not just the division that you're in, but winning a Super Bowl over the life of this contract? And for me, if you're in a spot like the Giants, I'll get to the Bengals in a second, you sign that with Daniel Jones, you're not getting out from under that contract unless you're taking a massive cap hit if it doesn't pan out. Yeah, I don't think he's worth the 45 million i don't think he's worth 35 million no i don't either i mean sure he takes care of the football but he, he's not the reason why you win on sundays you win on sundays because of your defense and being able just to score when you need to score yep like games on the line daniel jones has the football you feel confident that he's going to be able to lead you down the field 80 yards in less than a minute no to get a touchdown to go ahead? No, no not, exactly. Not, not, that, not that annual evaluation. That speaks to my theory, gentlemen. You either have a great QB or a great defense. Yes. It's not as much of a, of a theory as it is, I agree with you, proven fact within the league. But yes, yeah. you think it's a fact. I mean, you just, you can just look down at the last 20, 25 champions. I'm that, not going to take that from him, Eddie. The applause was for you. I don't think so. Uh, you- no, it was for you. You didn't well, hear I didn't the hear it. I didn't have my earplug. I didn't have my I didn't have my headphones on. Larger point though, because of all these ridiculous contract negotiations for quarterbacks and if they're worth it or not, Lamar Jackson gets taken off the table because if the Ravens tag him, there's nothing you can do. But it resets the market in such a way that if you're looking at the veteran route for the Colts, and I know we're I'm not. You are. I know I am. I'm not. But if you're in that boat, you're pricing yourself out of other key areas of need 
if you go get the veteran guy and he doesn't elevate you to take away those flaws? Like, can Rodgers still do that? And again, that would be trading. I'm, you haven't mentioned his name, but I'm just throwing out veterans out there. Could Rodgers do that? I'll take the discount double check. You'll take the discount double check? Absolutely. Okay. Can Lamar Jackson do that? That, that? That's one that I got pushback for. More for the money that you yeah, would yeah. spend Let, let's, versus let's talk, the talent Let's on the talk field. money on that. What do you spend for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, well, Daniel for, Jones? For Rodgers, and I... Eddie, all that Aaron Rodgers is he going to be $50 million <laughs> just this season. And again, that that's not from the talent perspective, but from what it does to help improve things around him, that's another Band-Aid. That's not too that's, much drama with him. Yeah. It, Lamar Jackson, the money he's going to demand... Because you're not only trading for him, you're trading for him with a long-term deal in place. Again, this is not going to happen. These are just speculation of what the quarterback market has done to your veteran options. The amount of money you would spend to him would be probably close to what... Daniel Jones is asking. And probably more so than that. Yeah. In the middle between Rodgers and, and Jones. So again, that puts you back to square one, which is why I'm less in the boat of a veteran for one more year as much as I am getting the quarterback in April. I, I I can agree with somebody if they're like, oh, three first-round picks, I'm in that boat. You can't trade up. Okay, that's fine. Stand pat at four if that's really what you're most comfortable with and take one of these guys. Try to build them out. And the reason I say try to build them out is Shane Steichen hasn't gotten as much of the uh, the quarterback whisperer vibe that Frank Reich was supposed <laughs> to have had when he was here. But the thing we keep hyping up and why we keep telling ourselves, man, Shane Steichen's going to be a, a, a great hire for the team. It's not just the play calling ability. It is the variety of different quarterbacks that he has had high levels of success with, whether it's Phillip Rivers, whether it is Justin Herbert, whether it is Jalen Hurts. That doesn't mean instant success, but it gives me an area where I can talk myself into, okay, they drafted C.J. Stroud because Stroud. they believe they can get him to another level than he's already at. The concerning part for me with that statement, Jimmy, about the chain Steichen can tread lightly. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting him in the if if he can't get no, here's the, the most out of the quarterback, he's a right. failure. I'm just saying. I know, I know. That should but make you, it easier for you. As the a fan. point that I want to make out here, it's kind of twofold. You talk about his, you know, ability to coach with multiple styles. The part that concerns me, and we all know, Chris Ballard hates trading up. He hates, you know, losing draft picks and moving up because he covets every pick. You can sit there out for you and be like, all right, my hands are clean. My coach can coach any kind of quarterback, can develop any kind of quarterback. That's a good point. So I'm just going to stand pat at four. Sure, we like Will Levis. Sure, we like Anthony Richardson. He'll coach him up. Instead, you know, you've got Steichen in the background. You know, he's like, yeah, I can do that, but I want this guy. I want C.J. Stroud. Let's go get this guy. He goes, eh, I'm going to hold off. I don't think it's worth giving up all that amount of picks. So that's the concerning part for me with all of this is like, yes, we can say that Steichen can work with different quarterbacks, but then you look at the bigger picture here with Chris Ballard's negligence to move up in the draft to yep. go get a top-tier talent. That's the part that would be concerning for me. I'm not trying to give a caveat to Chris Ballard. I'm glad you mentioned that because that would allow him, like you mentioned, to stand pat and as you put it, wash his hands clean of it. This is where the, and we don't know this because we're not in there and no one that covers the team is in those meetings at West 56. This is where the real cultural dynamic between owner and coach and GM are going to come into play over these next couple of weeks. Who has the most say? Obviously by default, it is Jim Irsay, but where in his mind does he see the trade-up versus Stan Pat 
issue at place. If you guys and does had he to have make, a price tag on if it? You had to make a pie chart. Jim Mersey, <laughs> Chris Ballard, Shane Steichen. What percentages are you giving each of those guys in terms of say when it comes to drafting the quarterback? Who's got the most? Who's got the least? I'm leaving that up to you guys. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Ursay the most, and I would say. It's not quite 50-50. I would probably give an edge to Steichen because I, I really believe, not that he does not believe in, in Ballard, but I believe there's enough second-guessing there between what the last five, six years have held and how much he believes and wants Shane Steichen to be the face of this franchise from a coaching perspective for the next 5, 10, 15 years. And he doesn't want to start him off with, oh, I really liked that guy. There's a price point, right? Is Bursay willing to give up the three first rounders that Chicago is allegedly looking for? But that's a whole other conversation. What is at play here? And the answer to your question is, I give the edge to Steichen because I think he doesn't want to give his so what coach per- a roster with a hand tied behind his back. What so, percentages would you go on this pie chart? Jamie, think of a pie. Thank you. Do you like pies? <laughs> Thank you. What's your favorite kind of pie? Uh, big apple pie guy. Okay, so well, think of well, an well, apple well, thank pie. You. Thank You've you. got three slices who holds the most? Who holds the most of the apple pie? Jim Irsay at seventy-five percent. Okay. Oh, that's a big and then number. We're going that's Steichen, a big number. Number two. So you got twenty-five yep. more to work with. Yep, and then we'll give eighteen uh, percent to Shade Steichen, seventeen percent. That's a big number. Seven percent to a big number. Nothing thrills me more than to get Jimmy. Jimmy with, with the eighteen and yep. the seventeen yep. to start yep. off with. I'm trying to give extra percentage. So that, yeah, yeah I, I think that I think that double the say is where Shane Steichen rolls up. Because I don't think he wants to handcuff his head coach right out of the gate. Let's so, take this internal. Aren't we already doing you that? you got a, one of Jimmy's big apple pies. Okay. Who eats the most in this room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... I'm Same going, results. I, I, Jimmy goes 75%. I, I, Jimmy gets I, three quarters of the pie. I was going to say you. I'm taking you, yeah. I was about to say, I, yeah. you look like a guy who yeah. can throw down some pie. I feel like yeah. if we're... Man versus food scenario. Yeah, that you're, I'm Jim Irsay. I'm Jim Irsay yeah. of our yeah. apple pie boys. See, I was going to disagree with you here on the percentages. My percentages would go, I'd say 50, Ballard 30, Steichen 20, Irsay. Wow. That would be my guess because I heard Stephen Holder on with JMV yesterday afternoon. He, Irsay, wants to stay out of this. He doesn't want to be, he got hurt. I don't want to say he got hurt, but he did not like everyone portraying him as a meddling owner. He did. He he did get hurt. He got portrayed as the Jerry Jones of... And I think he's going to sit back, and he knows that he brought Chris Ballard back. He has to trust Chris Ballard to get this right with Shane Steichen. Now, the part where I give Ballard the edge over Steichen is Steichen's coming from Philly, so who who's to say he's had enough time throughout the course of the year to really study these quarterbacks, whereas Ballard has had guys all season long watching Levis, let's, watching Richardson, Stroud, etc. Then with that in mind, let's accept the fact that Ursay takes a backseat here. Where in your mind, if there's a disagreement between Ballard and Steichen and they go to Ursay, who, who is Jim siding with? Because in my mind, it's Steichen for the same reason I laid out. He wants to give every opportunity within his power and within the amount of money your draft capital is willing to spend to make sure he succeeds year one and beyond. That's a fair question. That's a really fair question. I don't know the answer to that one. Okay. 
That's a good one. That's what I would do. For for me, I, I would I would defer to Steichen because but I, that's why I, I would brought too. him in here. Yeah. I would too. Steichen I, I totally the track agree with record. you. Not for every pick, just for this one. The I QB. totally agree with you. Yep. And if they if the Colts select a QB, let's keep in mind this is a drop back franchise. This is a and and drop back quarterbacks usually are the ones that win. We've we've discussed that. I think we discussed that last week. They're getting a drop back QB. They're not taking a running QB if they take a quarterback. Yeah. They're getting a drop back QB. That's who. I mean, that's that's who Steichen's had success with. Maybe a little Jalen Hurts, but yeah. Um, but again, but that goes to the larger point. He's shown that he can work with both. I mean, I'm not saying Jalen right. Hurts is necessarily too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look at the. <laughs> he set a Super Bowl record for 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 rushing yards by a QB. Yeah. And and rushing touchdowns tied that mark. I mean it. it it's hard to argue that he couldn't work with both, but yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that in terms of the style they want. Uh, I just think it goes back to the Colts being the, the, yeah. the, a pretty well-respected organization throughout the years. Yep. And they are just like the, the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers are going to have a drop-back QB. I mean, once they settle in on one, post-Ben Roethlisberger. Stain Fife, I'm Jimmy Cook. Speaking of where that pie is divvied up, he might not go as in-depth in this, but... Few better than the Dean Mike Chapel of Fox 59 and CBS 4. He's going to join us top of the hour. We'll update you on some ongoing conference tournament action. Get more thoughts in the direction of the Colts in that avenue. If you'd like to join the conversation and you have a thought on where that pie chart is divvied up, give us a call 317 239 1070. It's the Fan Midday Show, 935 1075. The Fan. This is the Fan Midday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Today's show on 93.5107.5 The Fan, alongside the coach, Dane Fife. I'm Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison, behind the ones and twos. Had a lot of college basketball throughout our conversations today. Obviously, just wrapped up a good Colts discussion. Podcast will be up 1075thefan.com or search the Fan Midday Show wherever you get your podcast. Going back to the college basketball ranks for a second, Dane, Eddie brought up an interesting point during the break. Talked about Purdue basketball, perhaps vulnerability for this edition of the Boilermakers. And one of the more interesting things is how they've adapted and how they've tried to overcome the struggles of de- defending within the pick and roll game with Zach Eady been on the sidelines for a very long time when you look at those struggles and how you would adapt with it what are you going to do defensively for Purdue if they run into more of that not just in the Big Ten tournament but in the NCAA well I think a big key for Purdue is trying to protect Zach Eady from foul trouble and that's one issue they've addressed and he stayed out of foul trouble uh, for the most part this season but when push comes to shove to throw that out there uh, I think a big part of Purdue's defensive ineptness is their ability to cover the ball screen and I don't think their offense is high powered enough to beat that when you go against a team that can really execute a ball screen offensively like Indiana that's Indiana's bread and butter if they don't throw it down to Trace Jackson Davis what Purdue needs to do I I think when you watch the Michigan game uh, Indiana versus Michigan uh, on Sunday they have to Purdue has to find a way to utilize Zach Eady the way Michigan utilized Hunter Dickinson and force the ball back towards half court, whether it's one dribble or two dribbles, and get Zach Eady and cover Zach, give Zach Eady time to get back to the rim. Yeah. And it's a big part of it. It's tough to describe 
on the microphone sure. or on this uh, Canon camera we have. What I'd really like to do is get you, Eddie, and myself out on the basketball court so we could really demonstrate it. You want to look like a, a in between media timeouts type type I, deal? I think we're, that would be pushing. appropriate. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know uh, where we're assigning roles there, uh, but but I think ultimately what what Purdue needs to do when they're getting beat on the ball screen when the ball gets going downhill, they've got to find a way to have just give a give a different look, which means. I don't. I don't think you can switch. I don't think you can switch Zach Eady because that's 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 exposing Zach Eady too much. What they need to do is get the ball going towards half court for one dribble or two. Kansas, Michigan, both teams do a great job of doing that. We talked about the scar tissue. Don't need reminding if you're a Purdue fan, but you're always looking for where's the next shoe going to drop from that one area, at least on the defensive side, that you're hoping does not come back to bite you once again in March Madness into the Big Ten Tournament. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. The Dean, Mike Chappell, gives us his Colts thoughts post-NFL Combine here on the Fan Midday Show. You hear that music? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You know, it's the Dean... Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS 4, fresh off the NFL Combine coming to town. Right back on, maybe not Chappie, but the Colts fan base back on the rumor mill, back trying to hunt for those nuggets and get closer to what the Colts are going to do. Chap, before we dive into that. What do you think Chappie runs his 40 in? Chappie, you ever been tested for your <laughs> 40 time? No, uh, maybe back when I was in high school or at Ball State playing Gosh, baseball. But other than that, negatory. Do, do you, if we can pry, chap, in your prime, you, you remember where, where we were at forty wise? Slow. <laughs> Go for you that. Know, yeah, I, I was a pitcher, so how fast you have to be? Yeah, fair point. Fair point, chap. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of the combine and the different rumors on price tag for the number one pick or what the Colts are going to do. Coaching staff finalized. You obviously covered that on Fox 59. Colts formally announced it on Colts.com. Your thoughts on how Shane Steichen pieced his staff together as a whole? I mean, I mean, you have to think it's pretty good. We always think the staffs are pretty good. I, I remember in the past, whenever they, they would change a receiver's coach or whatever, that well, this guy he really works on detail. So yeah, he's going to be a good group. It all depends on you know what type of players are you working with, and you can make. You can make good players really, really good. I'm not sure how you make marginal players. <laughs> right. You know, I, it, it's a players' league. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and as you know, as a coach, you can only do so much with what you got. But encouraging. I like the fact they brought back the defensive staff because <clears throat> it's one less thing for the coach to worry about. It's a little bit. It'll be a concern for the change of special teams. Because Bubba was really, really yeah. good. I mean, the, the his five years, they 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 were roughly were were a top ten team at worst. And one year they were like second or third or fourth, whatever it was. So that's a, that's a big loss, and we'll see. The new guy Brian Mason, what I think he came from Notre Dame. Yeah. I, if if I'm all these names run together, I don't think he's coached at the NFL level. I don't think. So we'll see. Uh, but th- these are guys that, that that the guy is 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 comfortable with. I'm glad Reggie's back. First of all, that's selfish because I really like Reggie, <laughs> right? And we, we'll get him like once every other week or whatever during the season, and he's always 
he's just he gets it and he's really good at interacting with the media and giving you information without giving you always state secrets i like that and is the offensive line coach is he going to get this group fixed because it's broken and they can say whatever they want it's broken and whether that again is you can coach that back i don't know something was missing the last year and a half maybe two years i thought it was amazing that jonathan taylor ran for 1800 yards and 20 some touchdowns and the offensive line overall wasn't very good yeah so it, it, we'll see it's about players and i want to see who they add in the next month six weeks two months uh, to see if this team's got a chance Mike, I know it's not necessarily your decision who the Colts could can draft, but I feel like you've got the experience to and the understanding of of um, what it's going to take. What what were some takeaways as far as the QBs? Because we had you on last week, and you you it self admitted that it was all about the QB for the Colts, right? What were some takeaways this week at, from the combine related to the, the QBs? The, all, all three get it. I mean, at different levels. Uh, Bryce Young was sort of – I don't like the word calculated. That, that's just bad connotations. But but he was very poised, on point. Had, you know, he certainly ha- has been on the stage before talking to the media and, and doesn't say anything outlandish. C.J. Stroud was was such a great interactor. He, he, he just gave good answers and he was very comfortable. I thought Will Levis sort of tried to be – I don't know. He, he, you know, I want to be the greatest of all time, but I want to win more championships. Okay, I, we get it, but you know, yeah. you know, why don't you, you know, get with the team first? Anthony Richardson is going to be such a a wild card because my goodness, he set all these records for all time quarterbacks in athletics. You know, the four, the four hundred or the, the forty and in the high jump and all that. Which just tells you is which is what the tape shows is this guy's a freak. Two hundred and forty-five pounds, six four. Uh, I know in the four fours. And everybody says though that he is a project. Which yeah. okay. And I, my, the question is, how much of a project? Right. You know, are we taking? Are we talking two years? Are we talking three years? I'm not sure. Chris Ballard's got three years. Uh, you know, and the fan base may not have you know had the patience maybe for three years. So I don't know. And and again, if, if one thing people need to realize is the the the, the more the, the draft pick is is a project, the more important is going to be to to sign a veteran free agent quarterback who can keep this place afloat until that guy's ready. So you know, I I don't know and. and you listen to all these guys from the different teams, and they're all blowing smoke. I mean, you, I mentioned to somebody last, maybe the JMV, that when you get to these things, it's during this part of the season, everybody lies. <laughs> or gives you half-truths or whatever. A guy could go to the combine, a GM or a coach, and absolutely tell you exactly what they're going to do, and no one would believe them. Because it's at the point of the season where everybody – it serves no purpose for Chris Bowden to say, yeah, we've done so much you know, work and this is what we're going to do. Why would you do that? You, you, just, you don't. So uh, anyone – and I do believe this. I always said that anytime you read something that says, my Colts sources tell me this, 
it, it's BS. It just is. Because, like I said, they run such a tight ship out there that I, there's only, you know, there's a, a small circle of people who know what they're going to do. I mean, you're talking a small circle. You're talking the GM, the head coach, and on all their support staff. But they, they just, through the years with Chris Ballard, they just don't leak information much. So how they got these guys eventually ranked, aligned, and, you know, if, if they really – I've always said if they really, really, really like one of these guys, I mean, to, to where, hey, this is our guy for 10 years, then you go up and get him. You just do. If there's two guys, you go – you know, you put yourself in position to at least get one or the two. If, if all four of these guys are like, eh, you know, yeah, this guy's a little better, this guy's not too bad, then you stay where you are and get what you get. You're not going to give up the farm. For a guy that you know, maybe no. If they're if they're convinced, they will go get him. If they're not convinced, they're not, and the fan base can just deal with it. Mike Chapel of Fox Nine and CBS Four taking some time with us. Chap, we were debating before we had you on where the pecking order lies in making this decision. I, I think you would agree that in terms of the broad scale of the entire draft. Chris Ballard's going to have a heavy amount of creative freedom working in, you know, in, in a synergy standpoint with head coach Shane Steichen. When you look at that quarterback slot, let's say there is polarizing thoughts or conflicting thoughts on what to do with that spot. If Jim Irsay has to step in, where do you think he is taking the most into consideration? With Ballard being on a potential hot seat this year, versus Shane Steichen, who he wants to likely arm with the best possible quarterback. Is one getting more sway than the other in those discussions in your mind? Yeah, good question. I, I would think that Ballard and Steichen will come to some meeting in the minds to where this is the guy we we mm-hmm. like yeah. and, and we can move forward with. And cause I, I, I just kind of think that's the way it works. They're going to watch the same tape and go over the same things that they're going to have the interviews. And I really think they're going to be able to agree uh, 98% that this is a guy. This is our order. It's, it's, it's young, it's Stroud, it's whatever, or, or it's Stroud and it's young, whatever. I think they will. Now, the wild card's going to be is if the owner says, yeah, but I like this guy. I right. that that's that's where you're going to get in trouble. I, you just are because yeah. this, this isn't. Yeah, I like Peyton Manning. Yeah, I like Andrew Luck. That that's not what you've got. Uh, no one's even remotely saying that these guys are that. So uh, it, it's I say it's easy because but but it wasn't because there was discussion over Manning and Leaf and somewhat lesser with with Luck and RG three. But boy, if, if since, since Ursay made the decision to, you know, in, in Chris Ballard, I trust moving forward in, in in the most, you know, important off season, you know, in in maybe a decade, at least going back to luck. And if you if you're saying I trust him to fix this, to fix what what's broken, then. I, I think it would really be detrimental to the franchise for the owner to say, "No, we're going to go with this guy," just because I, you know, I've done my own research and I like it. Now, if, if you trust Chris Fowler to be here, then darn it, you, you need to trust him to pick the right quarterback because he's going to he and Steichen and the personnel staff are going to do all they're going to do all the heavy lifting. They're going to look under every rock, and they will make their decision 
solely on on what they see and and what they evaluate. Whereas the owner may, you know, yeah, he's, he'll he'll watch tape and all that. His may be more emotional. And boy, that's where you, as we've seen, you make decisions with your with your heart, and you're probably going to make be, be wrong more than you're right. So I I would hope for the with the fact that they that they brought Chris Ballard back when, when you, you they very easily could have just blown it all up and no one really would have argued too much but the fact that they brought Chris back then darn it let him do his job or fire him I mean it, it's just you know counterproductive to, to say this is what this guy's job is and, and then in 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 this situation to, to go against his judgment you trust him so then trust him Mike, for the sake of maybe me trying to piss you off, um, that's all right. If if the Colts decide to do what I think they should do and go a veteran QB route and oh, wait please. until oh, next God. year, okay, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Let's say they stay at number four. Yeah. Where do they? What, what's the next move for the Colts if not a QB? Oh, if they stay at four, they still got to be a QB. To me, I, I boy, how do you? I, I don't know how. I don't know how you stay at four. Now, I guess if you stay at four, and the three quarterbacks. Not just, but there's four quarterbacks. I just don't know how you, you 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 tell anyone what you're doing if you're there at four and you take the a, 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 a great pass rusher and yeah. you're going to get a good defense yeah. there. You are. Yeah. You are. But but then the question is going to be okay. But but what about quarterbacks? Right. And he's not on the roster. It's not you know they're they're going to get rid of Ryan and Foles yeah. one way or the other. And Sam Ellinger, I don't know, I don't know. But then you're going to draft a quarterback at in the second round, third round. I think I yeah. saw there's maybe five or six quarterbacks that are that are people think they can do it. The, the kid from Tennessee with the bad knee that's coming back from that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But then you're but then you're really if you do that, let, let, let's go your route and say they do that. Then the, then next year is going to be about again the veteran guy. Who's your veteran guy? And and it's not to, to I guess it would really be to, to be the bridge again. And I boy they're just We've seen what that's done, and, and I know how the owner is, is just sick and tired. Although he's had a hand in this, I mean, he yeah. was all in favor of Matt Ryan Matt as Ryan. well. Yeah. So, but he he wants to bring in his own and develop his own. And to me, that's the first round, not the third or fourth round. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to select the guy in the fourth round and say I think this guy can be pretty good in three years. Well, you you haven't got that long, so. I understand that, but it it doesn't look like it's going to be a great, you know who who, who are you going to bring in as, as your as your next free agent, veteran free agent? I mean, again, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston. We've been, we've been down that road so often, and it worked with Philip Rivers, and that's about it. So I just that's an argument you can make, but it would be so much easier to make the the counter argument because I just think. There's an exhaustion of veteran quarterbacks. Although, again, I th- there will be a veteran quarterback here this year. There will. There has to be. But not to be the, the, the no-doubt guy for next year, and then we'll see. I, I just I would be beyond stunned if they come out of the first round without a, without a, a quarterback. I, 
I've been surprised before, but that would really shock me. Chap, like you mentioned, Mike Chappell joining us, Fox 59 and CBS 4 here on the Fan Midday Show. Chap, I know you've mentioned that it's basically like a Fort Knox in terms of information over at West 56. Uh, they were able to do that with the coaching hire, and we assume it'll be the same with what they're going to end up doing with this pick. But Dane brings up an interesting point in terms of if they do stand pat at four, not just whether or not it's a quarterback, but regardless of who's on the Colts' radar, let's say for the sake of argument, it's one of Stroud or Young. I know I'm making you kind of look into a crystal ball here, but if they get outbid or if they miss out and they're at four and Levis and Richardson are who is left available, I mean, obviously they'll have a scout on everybody, but do you think it's that desperate to a point that they're going to settle for one of them? I, I... I don't think Chris Bauer likes to settle for anything. Right. That, that, and, and that's where it gets interesting. Like I say, if, if they believe, and this is all going to hinge on what, how they rate these quarterbacks, not how right. Mel Kuyper or Jeremiah or Todd McShay, that, that, you know, th- those are cool to watch. It's about how they do it. And if, if they think there's the top two guys are the only two worthy, then maybe they, I, I just, yeah, in, in this regard, maybe Dane's right and they, they don't go quarterback. Or at least at four, yeah. you know, if they don't believe those guys are worth that, but then boy, you better you better have a fallback. You you better have, you know, or, or then are you going to trade back to? If you trade back, you're going to lose those two quarterbacks because somebody's going to take those four quarterbacks, right? Top ten, it's maybe wow. top six. Wow. So so just because that's the desperation of the position, if they don't if they don't believe those guys are worth it, I. You know, okay, then go and get you the best player, and you're going to get a really, really, really good player that just is not not a quarterback. But boy, then what's your answer? Then, then, then and 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 they've, I guess they've got to go through all these scenarios if if that's what they believe. Then, if there's not the quarterback there that we're not going to that we're going to pay a, a a top four pick on, then then where do you go for your quarterback? What, what do you do? You're not going to get Aaron Rodgers, you know, and you're not going to. You know, you're not going to, I don't think, go on if the Ravens put the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, you're not going to give two first-round draft picks and, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed <laughs> to him. So, you know, if, if you do that, what's your plan B? That's what I need to know. Right. Because they are they are just worn. They are flat worn down by this this one veteran after another after another and they gotta they gotta quit that they really do but interesting point though how quick when free agency opens here in a couple weeks do you expect it to be on the colts front i mean obviously everybody's going to be you know having within the 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 allowed tampering period or everybody's going to be within those conversations but once it opens up how quickly and what are you looking for not just signing your own but but outside personnel beyond the quarterback position that you want to get done by this organization here in the coming weeks? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, the initial is who you're bringing back. Are you going to bring in Gawkway back? Are you going to bring Paris Campbell back? Chase McLaughlin, to me, you know, just do it now. Get that get the kicker signed. He's not, not going to cost you a ton, relatively speaking. Because if you don't, once those guys get out there, yeah. it's generally they don't come back because somebody's going to probably overpay them. From what I've seen, it's it's not a great receiver market. So maybe Paris Campbell gets more than what you're willing to pay. You know, Ngakwe to me is interesting because he he gives you eight, nine, ten sacks. But this past year, it just 
I just didn't come away thinking, boy, this this guy really gave him what they wanted. He he was at force every game. He sort of came and went, and when he went, there wasn't much there. But if you don't resign in Gakwe, then who are you going to sign? So I, I think initially, who are you going to resign of your own? There's four or five guys, EJ Speed, uh, that, that I would try to get done, keep them off the market, which means that would happen a day or two before the 15th. And if you, if you lose guys, if you lose Paris Campbell, here we are again. You, you need a veteran receiver. If you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback, you better give him more receivers than, than what you would have without Paris Campbell. And I'm not saying Paris Campbell was all pro last year, but but he was pretty good mm-hmm. with that passing game. So see who they sign initially of their own. And if after that, I don't think, you know, by Ballard's routine, they don't get in there real quick and get big ticket guys. Maybe you sign a, a mid-level guy, but the mid-level guys normally wait until later to see if they can get more. So initially, who they sign of their own. Chap, on the running back front, not necessarily from a free agency standpoint, but from that position being pretty expendable in the modern NFL, I thought still with this last couple of years, you'd see somebody like Derrick Henry be retained with how important he is to the Titans. It, obviously, just rumor mill right now, but Titans are allegedly listing offers to him. The Giants might not tag Saquon Barkley. The Panthers moved on from uh, shoot, it's gone. Why, why is it gone? McCaffrey, thank you. Uh, moved on oh, from yeah. McCaffrey uh, this past season. Jonathan Taylor is still underneath team control. I, I love Jonathan Taylor. I love what he brings to the table. But when you see a name like Henry, who is as core to that team as Jonathan Taylor is to the Colts offensively, looking at how that market goes, the Colts are either this season or next going to have to make a decision of if they are of the teams of this era or if they truly value where the number would be for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting because, you know, on top of that, you've got Michael Pittman. You know, this yeah. offseason is when you normally re-sign those guys to extensions. Yep. Uh, and and player-wise, Jonathan Taylor is the better player. Yeah. He just is. He, he, I mean, he just is. And that's not throwing shade on Michael Pittman. But it's going to cost more to re-sign Michael Pittman. You know, I mean, it probably starts at $20 million. Do, you, do you see him as a $20 million player? I don't know. And again, if not, then then you're replacing him with somebody that might be more expensive or another draft pick, so all of a sudden you're young again. So really interesting. I was thinking the other day maybe, and it would really piss the player off, but maybe you just have Jonathan Taylor play at his contract when he then would be grossly underpaid, grossly underpaid, and then you franchise him for a year or yeah. two. Uh, it, because, again, the, the problem with running backs is that generally their, their shelf life is not very long. Yep. But doing that, all that's doing is exploiting the player. And that's not what the Colts have done in the past. They, they've not just, well, we can do this because we can. We've mm-hmm. got the hammer. Yeah, that, that would not be the way to do it. But will they do both guys this offseason? It would have to be somewhat to the Colts' numbers. And it might be harder to re-sign Michael Pittman to what it would take than Taylor just because you're talking, you know, 20, 20 million probably minimum for Michael Pittman and and Shane Sykin's going to have some input on how he views these players in in Philly before they got all these great players this past year they got by with like you know position by committee 
you know, running backs by committee type of thing. So really, really interesting. I, I'm really curious how Chris Ballard handles re-signing a second-round receiver and a second-round running back. And, you know, people tend to forget as great as Taylor is, they took Pittman first. Yeah. Mm. Chap, last question on my end. Since we last talked to you, it's been reported that Ryan Poles and company in Chicago are, are seeking in the realm of and think they could get three first-rounders for their pick uh, at number one. In your mind, not just from the, the what the Colts would do, but in your mind, is that your line? Is that too rich for your blood, giving up three first-rounders and assuming it would be a couple other picks here or there to move from four to one? Probably. And one thing I always do, it... it, it it, it, I guess it would be three first-rounders. I mean, it was it uh, Poles apparently told Peter King, you know, would flip picks and then get yeah. a – I think we can get a 24 and a 25. Well, yeah, it's three picks, but, but you're getting one back. So you really, it's really two, sure. really two first-round picks. But still, I thought all along we talked to Daniel Jeremiah in our network a couple of weeks ago, and he, he projected the Colts give, you know, flipping picks and then give them a second – and then I think giving them a first round next next year, and that would be enough. Even with the Bears, I think even, even giving the Colts back a four. And I thought, boy, that's not very much. And But at the same time, with again, the season we're in, maybe Ryan Poles is trying to pump up the, the market on his own. Yeah. Well, I've got somebody that told me they'll give me this, that, and the other. Maybe they did, and maybe they didn't. Again, if, <laughs> if, if GMs, with all due respect, if, if GMs, it's kind of like with teenagers, if their lips are moving, they're probably lying. <laughs> so, but but they're going to get they're going to get a lot. I think if 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 Ballard believes that Young or Stroud is the guy, I, I don't want to say you you do whatever it takes because giving up two extra, giving up a twenty four and a twenty five first round pick is awful steep, awful steep. But if you, all it takes is like Carolina be willing to do that and then you either do it or you lose your guy so it, it's gonna be a lot of cat and mouse and 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 secrecy and, and misinformation but the bears are going to get a good haul for that first pick because they don't need it for a quarterback and there's five or six or seven teams that do need it purdue indiana or the field who wins the big 10 purdue you know i i you drives me crazy because <laughs> there are times they look so good and then who did get rolled by the, a couple games ago? I, Iowa. I was at Iowa. Oh, I was like, okay. Holy crap! Yeah. And and Purdue seems a little more steady and boy, and they got the one thing that that no one else has got. They got Zach Eddy, and and my goodness, he he is such a a hey, difference we have maker. An Eddie. What's that? We have an Eddie too. <laughs> We've got a Eddie. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we had a huge debate. Uh, Eddie seems to think that you're a big Springsteen guy, and Jimmy thinks you're a Seeger guy. Oh, I'm 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 Seeger. I, see, I'm older time. I'm I'm Seeger. I'm I'm Brian Adams. I'm, I'm uh, Brian Mellencamp. Adams, uh, yes. That kind of thing. I can do I, I can do some of Seeger, but I'm not. A, I don't go to. And I saw him when he was in town ages ago. Uh-huh. But I don't I don't sit there and when he plays songs that aren't popular. Yeah. I don't know the I don't know the words to them. You go with the popular but, Seeger songs, but otherwise, yeah, I was here. Seeger was here. Was it five or six years ago? Wow! And I went to that thing, and boy, it was great. Good, it was good just concert. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I'm an oldie goldie, and I stick with my oldie goldies. That's not old, Brian Adams. Mellencamp. That's, pretty, that's back in the '60s, isn't it? 
No, Brian Adams. Seventies. Eighties. Really? Mean, yeah, Brian Adams. Uh, Mellon Camp. Those yeah, are Mellon Camp. Yeah, eighties. It is funny. I mean, we're talking the four Mellencamp. tops. You're putting Dane into a into Buddy a Holly of, of age here, chap. Yeah. Yeah. Four... Now listen, listen, Buddy Holly. Uh, <laughs> Those are oldies. Uh, I'll chime in here, Elvis? Brian. Brian Adams was the eighties. Yeah, no okay. question. My wife and I have gone to see Mellon Camp three or four times, and then the, the the more recent you've seen him, he wants to do his newer stuff. Yeah, man, that's. I don't want to hear that crap. I, I want. I want. <laughs> Small give me the town. Jack and Diane yeah, Jack and, and the Diane. pink houses and all that stuff. That's yeah, that, check that's it out. Yeah, Play the hits, baby. Yep, that's right. Chap, hits. thank you as always. Appreciate your time. Look forward to talking next week. The man, the myth, thank the you. chapel. It's the Dean, Mike Chappell, Fox 59 and CBS 4, taking some time with us. Went a little bit long with Chapel. Always good to catch up with him, get his insight. We'll come back. Again, we'll give you an update on ongoing conference championships. Still bets to come as well. Looking to build off a, a solid start to championship week. I believe Eddie might have some in the realm of the NBA as well. We'll step aside. Be right back on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Wow, that's a jam. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Todd Meyer's going to tell me how distorted that was. <laughs> you didn't yell as loud that time. Just a small-town girl. Just a small-town boy born and raised in South Detroit. Maybe they're talking about me. We're just ranking your all-time... That's top, top five. five. Top five. Okay. Uh, also, Jimmy, you notice zero complaints from the music. You got to do better. You also want to notice one thing, and maybe I would argue Dane could do better. I've not said one word about musical requests or anything. I'm focused on 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 the operations within my control. Well, I let you do your job. See, I Jimmy know, doesn't have the ego. I know what I kind of music you like. You like the classic stuff that's boring. Jimmy's not very good. generic when it okay. comes to music. You know, like okay. today's hits. <coughs> I want to point out that Jimmy and Eddie and I are having this debate. Jimmy, how's how's my voice, guys? Todd Meyer, is it soothing? Uh, it's, it's, Director of programming Todd Meyer says, I yell too much. <laughs> I'm too hyper. He's a Purdue guy. He insults me because I'm an IU guy. He's going to light up your phone here in a second. Jimmy has a hat right. that has the string across the bill. Yeah, here we go. Can we'll you show, show, the, the, YouTube? We'll show the YouTube audience. It's awful. And he says it's in. And I said, yeah, and maybe in if you're eating at Denny's. It's like an old man slash Joe Dirt kind of hat. I see them all over the place, people in my age group. In Denny's. I don't, I don't go to Denny's. More of a Cracker Barrel guy. Yeah, old man. <laughs> Old, it's got the string. Just and kidding. More of a rosy. It's, it's Rosie's a and caramel. Not, it's not, the not weave string. There. Jimmy probably has weave belts, dude. Do you wear belts that have the, the weaved no, belt? No. The pleather Le- weaved le- belt? Leather belt guy. Only. Pleather. You're, 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 you're a pleather guy. I promise you I'm not. I'm not buying it. Well, we got to get a hold of the missus. No. If she'll talk to about talk to us about Jimmy's dress. No, I'm not a uh, not a pleather guy. No. None of the small talk, Jimmy. What do we got? <laughs> You complain to me to be the shepherd. Like, Why have you let me be the shepherd? All right, okay. No, what I wanted to come at you with today was yesterday we talked about the left tackle market and with the Chiefs not tagging Orlando Brown, did the Colts want to go that route for a 26, soon to be 27-year-old as the backbone, the mainstay on their offensive line for a young quarterback? And unfortunately, I have lost. There it is, my link. Uh, Donovan Smith of the Bucks released today. They weren't able to 
uh, come to terms there and weren't able to find a trade partner. So he's now on the open market as a 29-year-old. Ian Rappaport reports he is now the top available left tackle in free agency. There's going to be options along the offensive line within the draft. Maybe not a solid, instantly start, sit, and forget it left tackle where the Colts would be taking one. But now another big name available in free agency soon to come. Does that do anything for you, Donovan Sound Smith like of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What's the shelf life? A 29-year-old, what's the shelf life of a left tackle? I mean, I, I know left tackles that have gone into their mid to late 30s. Yeah, I mean, if you're it, it, offensive lineman, it, it, it's it's a variable jar in terms of that shelf life, but the good ones, yeah, you can you can extend that into your 30s. I feel like we got some age discrimination going on here. I, <laughs> You know, you, you kind of tell you, 29. I mean, it's not like prime necessarily but it's it's you're not you're not falling off a cliff i'm 43 i guess i'm do you feel like you cliff. fall you feel like i'm you not a left tackle I'm kind of built like one huh <laughs> you you block an offensive lineman on the weekends <laughs> we don't know about <laughs> yeah yeah what, what is it the uh you block an offensive lineman oh my bad i'm sorry misspoke appreciate you being quick to the trigger yeah. there eddie speaking of which your thoughts you were very uh poo-poo on orlando brown jr for the cost it would take uh donovan smith if he's the top of the chart even though it might not be as long of a deal since he was 29, still be looking at a similar price point. Does that bug you? I don't think it's the fact of the price point, because I think if this was last year, I would totally be down for it. But I think Bernard Ryman really did come on late in the year for the Indianapolis Colts, so I don't think there's a reason to overpay for a left tackle if you have a guy who's on his second year in the, in the NFL. And if you do, you're completely bailing on him. And if that's the case, then you might as well try and trade him. Because like, there's no point of having a guy that you invested, a se- I think it was a second round pick, maybe third, uh, in just to sit behind a veteran that you just signed for X amount of dollars for X amount of years. And you're not going to swing him over to right tackle because you have Braden Smith sure. over there. So there would be no point to have you know a guy who has proven that he can be a good left tackle uh, just in his first year. I mean, his body was not ready for the NFL. Sure. Like, he needed to add some muscle. He needed to add a little bit of weight. Now he's got that experience to work on all of that uh, during the offseason. And, and I think, as uh, Coach Jeff Saturday called him, Bernie, I think Bernie will have a solid year next year. And I didn't think that there was a lot, especially later in the year, to complain about. Because as the season went on, the amount of discussions that we were having about Bernard Ryman was more positive compared to negative as compared when he first started – at left tackle over Matt Pryor. He did get better. The biggest question for me, and I would argue a similar stance of then why draft a offensive tackle outside of bringing in competition. In that vein, you would think if you draft an offensive tackle in like the second or third round, Ryman is still going to be the starter versus if you bring a veteran in, he would instantly fall behind in the pecking order. So I get your standpoint there, and I don't disagree with that, but that ultimately is what fascinates me from both Boward and Steichen's standpoint is you're having to make a really tough evaluation on a 25-year-old of how much better is he going to get. Is it how he closed and that is the likelihood of growth that you're going to see over him in the next two to three years? Or are there still going to be those shortcomings, those missteps that you can't afford to have with a future face the franchise being taken at number four overall or higher? And that's kind of where I just I go back and forth. That I'm not married to Ryman. I'm not saying you are, but I even as well as he played and got better as the season went on, I'm not 100% locked in that that's the path you have to go down. But here's another part of this too. You have already invested. And we talked about that yesterday. You're right. You're right. amount of money in that offensive line like But you can't you cannot get left tackle wrong. 
Like you, you I, I don't think they have it and wrong. I, I, and I understand on your side you don't. I guess I'm saying they do have it wrong because I don't know that I believe in Bernard Ryman as a left tackle of the future. But I don't disagree with your point about he came on strong last year. He is only 25. It does take time for you to get your sea legs, for lack of a better term, particularly in the trenches at the next level. And I mean, this guy doesn't have much experience either at offensive line as it is. I mean, he was... He started out as a tight end in college. Sure. I think this is, what, his third year, maybe, as an offensive lineman? So, I mean, he still has a lot of ways to go when it, when it comes to learning to be an offensive lineman. And I thought, you know, for being such an inexperienced left tackle as it was, I thought he held his own, especially late. And I think that's more of what's to come because I think as when he gets the offseason right, he finished the year healthy. Now he can just go right into the offseason training and get built like an NFL left tackle. And that's why it comes full circle with the criticism of the decision-making of Chris Boward to pay his offensive line the way that he has the last couple of years. Because you say all of that, and that, that's impressive in its own right for Ryman, but if I have an opportunity to get somebody that has proven himself year over year like I mentioned, Orlando Brown Jr. yesterday, and in his case, he's going to be 27. You think that's, I don't know, five, six years of long-term competency? There's a reason left tackles are not available in the open market at the highest level of the sport that often. I feel like one of the hang-ups of, oh, well, let's see what Ryman can continue to grow into is, to your point, they've already spent so much more along the offensive line to positions that don't matter nearly as much as left tackle. I understand, and a lot of the problems for, for the Colts this last year came right up the middle. It started with the center, and it started with the right guard. Like I think in the draft, center is A, and right guard is B. If you're drafting for... And if you can hit a home run like the Eagles did with a guy like Landon Dickerson, who played center at college at Alabama, and then transitions to a guard and when he gets the NFL, I think that'd be like the ultimate best case scenario. Like you have Danny Pinter right there who has proven that he can play center. It's just a matter of finding someone else that, you know, can compete for center or right guard. Because I, like I said yesterday, I am not sold that Ryan Kelly will be on the roster come next year. You running it back, Dane, with Bernard Ryman as a, as a, as a 25 year old that's continuing to grow, or are you, trying also, to dude, navigate along. He's sitting there like it's a tennis match. Just watch this guy. <laughs> I, I, I think the Colts got the talent he got on the offensive line. From everything I understand, uh, I don't count the amount of pancakes they, they, they eat or the amount of pancakes they produce <laughs> throughout a game. But what I think is they've got the talent. They have to find a way to gel. And, and if it's Ryman, great. They, if it's not, they'll go out and get another talented left tackle. But they have the talent. They've got to find a way to click and stay healthy to where they're clicking on all cylinders. So for you then, because you mentioned yesterday the importance of protecting the quarterback of the future, whether that's drafted this year or drafted next year, if you think the offensive line is solidified where it's at, where are you spending that money in free agency? Well, it's I would spend it on defense. I'd spend it on, okay. you know, it's always good to have a, a pass rusher and a corner that can cover. And I don't. I don't think they really have those those things to to the extent that they can compete in a playoff level. But the other part, it'd be really telling to see, by all accounts or by many many accounts, they're gonna, the Colts are going to take Bryce Young if they take a QB. To me, that's very telling. You're taking a running QB. Why would they take a running QB? Well, that means they don't have enough faith in their offensive line. Just a question. Sure. That was, a, that, that was meant to be asked in question form. And all the more reason why. If they do go that route, 
regardless, and even more so, you mentioned if, if they're getting somebody like Stroud, who is more of a guy that is going to stay in the pocket more often than not, even though he has the capability to run, at least that's what he said at the Combine. He said he didn't take as many chances as he should have. That's all the more reason to make sure everything is solidified, especially left tackle. If you go Stroud, if you go young, uh, maybe that is relatively telling that you want somebody that is more mobile, that is more agile, that can adapt to a broken down pocket, something that Matt Ryan was unable to do as expected a little bit last year. Here's what you have to decide. If you're Chris Ballard and Shane Steichen and company, Bryce Young is the guy that can get you yards outside the pocket. He will run it down the field. He'll scramble to get those yards like uh, like a Mahomes will every now and then. But when you look at C.J. Stroud, I like to compare him in the ilk of when it comes to mobility and willingness to run. I like to think of him as like Aaron Rodgers. Like he'll run if he has to, but it's not the first thing he's going to revert to. Sure. He'd rather scramble around and avoid pressure and then get the ball into a, his playmaker's hands. Like that's what he does. So he, I mean, when he spoke about not about being a mobile quarterback and he did put it on tape he did put it on tape but he just didn't translate that into yards he translated that into escaping sacks and getting passing yards out of it that is the chess match that has to unfold between where the Colts prioritize their biggest needs this offseason I mean ultimately we can go back and forth of which quarterback is going to suit them the most heck like we talked about with Chappie even though he's confident that they're going to take a quarterback regardless if they miss out on this bidding war they're going to be stuck with whatever's left of Levis and Richardson. Maybe they do go your route ultimately. Trade back or take a non-quarterback and sit it out till next year with a veteran. I like the idea of taking Richardson. I, he's got speed. He's got talent. He's someone you can build around. He he gives hope. He might not help you win to the extent that you win with Stroud or Bryce Young right away. But he gives you hope. Because he can run. By all accounts, he's got a cannon. He's got the size, and he's pretty mature for his age. I don't know. Sure. I just know I like the thought of just like uh, – help me out with the QB of the Bears. Justin Fields? Justin Fields is giving hope to the Bears. They're going to stick with Fields. I firmly believe that. And I think that's where Robertson gives gives the Colts some hope. I, I'm kind of kind of warming up to that to – that idea that I just produced <laughs> I'm not against it the accuracy thing is the biggest concern for me but as Chappie mentioned even though he did it begrudgingly is the jo- is he able to be like Josh Allen and it finally click one day or is he going to be like you throwing it at my feet when I was right. leaving it the was studio a bad I, mean, pass. That's, it's, I was <laughs> aiming for your fanny and I hit your I just grazed your right calf yep. that was a bad pass I like the fact that Chappie you got to tiptoe into suggesting that the Colts might take something other than a QB yeah. I think he gets offended. I love it. <laughs> but I also think uh, he's so well connected yeah. to the Colts. As much as one can be, uh, he just feels 100% certain they are taking a QB. But I'm not afraid to toe that line. I res- I'm not afraid to ask that question or make that suggestion. I respect you towing that line and, and making that suggestion, that. even though I am in the same camp that I think they're taking a QB unless they get outbid and they're stuck at four with... I feel QBs safe. They don't like. I feel safe asking you. I don't feel safe asking Chappie that same question. Got to shield up just to be safe. I just feel. Yeah. I'm just. I'm yeah. glad I'm up here in Emmis <laughs> with a high level security. Of course, we've got Todd Meyer, director of programming, here to protect us too. A big Boiler fan. Indeed, he is. Staying five. I'm Jimmy Cook. We're gonna take a quick break. We come back. We'll give our bets as conference championship week continues. 
here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Urban One. We are on Urban One. That's our station. Look at that. He even brought us back from break. Jack of all trades. Well done. I thought it was silky smooth. Thought it was just the right amount of energy. I hope I make you guys proud. You do. Every day. Last night, last thought I had before I went to bed. Man. Dane mm. killed it today. Mm. You know, I'm going to have the thought I'm going to. It's going to cross my mind when I go to bed tonight. <laughs> oh no, I'm afraid of this one. Yeah, Drum roll. The string across. Yeah, the I knew it. I knew it. Jimmy's yeah, hat. It. It's it. it's it's a weave. It's like a yep. weaved belt. Nope. Not a fan. Terrible. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll call you both next time. I'm going to make a purchase. Yeah, it, see, because we're both hip with the style. Mm-hmm, very much so. Didn't you wear that sweatshirt yesterday? I did. I <laughs> got to support my hounds. I appreciate that. Go hounds. Go hounds. Go hounds, baby. We got conference championship week still ongoing, as it will be all week long. Tickets being punched left and right to March Madness. Take a look at tonight's slate. Give some bets. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day going to take the Zags. To win on the money line against St. Mary's. Why are you yelling? Because I'm bringing the, bringing the energy, Jimmy, man. Jimmy, calm down. I don't know. I, I yell louder if you'd like me to. I'm good. Can we, can we step away from the microphone? Can. <laughs> Cleveland State over Northern <laughs> Kentucky. Ow. Horizon League. You're actually louder. I, I know. I, I, told, I told you. We got, we, we got a couple different octaves. We can go. Going to lay 10 and a half on Oral Roberts tonight against North Dakota State. And that rounds out my plays of the day. I was going to play Fairleigh Dickinson and Merrimack, but Merrimack is ineligible. Fairleigh Dickinson already has the ticket. I, I don't have enough of juice there for me, so I'm going to sit no. that one out. Two and one yesterday. Two and one of the week. Plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. Are they on Twitter? They are. Any action from you? <laughs> they are on Twitter? They are. Any action from you? <laughs> I, was, I was looking into the Orlando Magic-Milwaukee game, but then Drew Holiday and Giannis got ruled out, so that... Put an axe into that one because I was going to take Bala Bancara on the under because of the defense interior uh, for Milwaukee. But other than that, I haven't really been able to look into much. So the no. Bancaro under for Eddie. I'm not taking it, no. No? Not no. playing it? So, so <laughs> no. sit out everything. Yeah, I'm sitting this one out. Ah, it breaks my heart. It really does. That's two days in a row. Because Dane's not well, ready to dive into those waters. On the airwaves, it was two days in a row. I did send some. I sent Jimmy some yesterday. You did. You did indeed. That was. You didn't good. send him to Dane though. I don't, I don't. That's the me generation. Share it with our audience. <laughs> uh, I know you're not going to bet, but you've talked about those conference championship matchups tonight: Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State, three versus four in the Horizon League; North Dakota State and Oral Roberts in the Summit, and Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Where are your eyes going to be tonight in the Roma Conference Championship? Well, the Gonzaga-St. Mary's game. Yeah. I'm going to go against you. Taking the Gales. I'm taking St. Mary's. Yeah. I'm taking the Gales. I'm going with the Gales. I'm going with the Irish over Vatek. Yeah? Vatek currently minus six and a half. I'm going with the Irish. ACC tournament rolling through. Mike Bray's last hurrah. 7 p.m. start. ACC Network. I will be there. Really? On my couch. Watching Ah, watching on my television. Got me. ACC tournament underway big 10 tournament starts tomorrow you have firmly planted your flag indiana wins the big 10 
Flag down. Indiana Flag is down. wears, wears, wins and wears the Big Ten tournament and championship. Y- and your Spartans, we, we haven't talked a ton about them the last couple of days, but uh, it, overall with their draw in the Big Ten, what are you expecting from I got Sparty coaches, obviously though? winning Friday, making the yep. semis. Good game against the Boilers, but I think Sparty uh, is going to put it all together for the tournament and they'll be at their best. And I see a sweet 16 for Sparty. Had a great conversation today with Trace Jackson Davis of the Indiana Hoosiers. Always good to be able to catch up with Trace, particularly with this being his, in all likelihood, swan song season, getting to see senior day and a win there. You talked a lot in that conversation about just how proud you've been of the growth of him, not over just the last four years, yeah. but particularly in the last year plus. Well, maturity, I, I think it's – and it takes different people – different amounts of times and it's taken trace jackson davis this long three and a half years to get where he's at there's nothing wrong with that that's going to make him a much better pro now if indiana wins the big 10 tournament over purdue and that'll make a third victory this year against indiana they've already beaten him at Mackey. obviously they beat him at assembly hall if they beat purdue in chicago trace jackson davis my national player of the year Eddie, for you, not just that conversation, but big picture, Big Ten tournament, are you in that same boat? Is Indiana your pick? I would say so because of the draw they got. I mean, you avoid Iowa, you avoid Michigan. I think you even avoid Sparty, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so you avoid really all the big threats. The one that I would be concerned about is Northwestern because their pace, they play slow enough to where they are in every game, and if they can defend Trace Jackson Davis like they did, uh, when they faced off both times, then I think that would be the one concerning team uh, prior to the championship game. That Wildcat defense, Chris Collins and crew. Coach of the year, Chris Collins. Big, Big Ten. Ten I'm sure they're going to be a very popular pick in general in terms of juice you can get to capture the Big Ten tournament title. No doubt about that. Uh, Jimmy, let's let's settle down over there. I, a little I, too hyped up. You're, I, you're calling. You're 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 saying Northwestern potential Big Ten. You're looking for. You mentioned dark horses earlier. I mean, why not? That's an invisible horse. It's an invisible horse is yes. not there. Yeah, I don't. I don't see <laughs> hey, it happening. The, the the ride they've gone on to this point. Jeez. It is March, Dane. Come that's, on. That string across the hat on Jimmy's <laughs> Jimmy the the bill of Jimmy's hat is. Been a fun reaping. last. At least it's not. It's in foil. Problem. Indeed. Life. Been a fun last couple days. John is next. We'll see you tomorrow. Johnny.